And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the marathon. It is crazy. It is wild. And I'm on it. So there you go. Hoopsville Marathon. I am your host, Dave McHugh. If you've got questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on uh, Twitter, at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Uh, Facebook, where we're simulcasting live, uh, uh, facebook.com slash hoopsville, uh, et cetera. Uh, got lots to cover. We're, we are definitely in the last four hours of the show, which in my book means... We're, we don't have much left. In your book, you might think, four hours? Yeah, well, I've been on it for eight, so that's how it works. And we've had a bad habit of sending this show into overtime. This show, not not all of our shows. All of our shows go into overtime, but this show particularly has gone into overtime. Last year, we did 14 hours. I don't know if we'll do that. Uh, we're going to talk Northeast basketball now, back again. Uh, it's a large region, and I have two good regional reporters. So we're trying uh, we're trying to get it from two different vantage points. And so joining us via the city of Salem, uh, Skype hotline. Oh, it says, well, I got the wrong name. There we go. It's Matt Noonan and joining us there, sir. Hello. How are you? Hey, Dave, what's going on? Oh, I- I'm here uh, sipping on some <laughs> coffee, though. I got to I got to get off the caffeine here shortly or it's going to kill me tonight. Hey, you know, I- I've had enough coffee today, so that's that's what happens when part of one of your jobs is working at a coffee shop. So well, there you go. I feel horrible for you. Really, I do. Um. So let's start with the, with the NESCAC. We're going to talk with just men's because we had Pat Manning on the show just a little bit earlier today. Uh, talked about the women and obviously the women's big matchup coming up uh, this weekend is Tufts versus Amherst. I do have a question in the mailbag we'll get to later regarding that. Um, but from your vantage point uh, on the men's side, this is probably the deepest we've seen this conference in a number of years. And I hark back to what Dave Hickson told me. Uh, at the beginning of the season when he said, hey, this is going to easily be eight teams deep, and I thought he was kidding. He he wasn't kidding. No, he's not, because I think that's the thing. Is you, even if you go down to Connecticut College being – I mean, I, I've seen Connecticut College, and we had a, a reporter for Noontime Sports at one point even able to cover that game against Tufts. This conference, I mean, Hamilton, that's no fluke. And Bates, I saw them early on, and I know they – you know, it was the first couple of games where they are playing out at WPI, and – you know, Middlebury, I knew what Middlebury was going to be. Uh, a coach in the conference did say to me, uh, do not lose, you know, do not lose sight of Trinity. And, you know, then there's Tufts. And I had, a, you know, had a chance um, to, you know, see Tufts, obviously, as a PA announcer. I've had a chance to talk with Bob Sheldon and talk with different coachings, coaches there and kind of get the insight. And I'm not surprised that, you know, that this is kind of coming down an eight, nine team, uh, team race. And, you know, Howard Herman, a guy that's been on your show before, you've spoken to, you know, even in Final Four appearances, he had interesting, you know, interesting article. I think about a week ago, with you know, where their coach was saying, "Hey, the NESCAC is a bear," and it really is because from top to bottom, every single team is really at it. And you know, this is that final few weeks for these two teams, really, because they have that eight-team tournament. And I'm not shocked that we're seeing Trinity coming back. I'm not shocked to see Wesleyan, you know, still in the mix. Bates is not a fluke, and I think this weekend really is going to tell because you got some big games, and I think for tough sake. You know, uh, just like everyone, I mean, you know, this this is kind of that that part part of the schedule. As one of the coaches was saying to me for a, a story I did uh, recently, uh, a non-NESCAC coach saying, "There's that point of the season where you kind of hit that wall, and this is really where you've got to be able to kind of step up and perform at perform at your best." And I think we're gonna have to see that when they play Trinity and Amherst because that really could uh, make kind of stir the pot. I guess is what it would do. 
Um, yeah, pretty much. Wrap, it's a good point. I bet it's just it's amazing how deep it is when you've got Tufts, who's obviously banged up now uh, and injured, losing Pelleshi here, and we don't know for really for how long. Coach uh, was on the show Sunday, but and says he hopes he's back in three weeks. But I also got the sense he could be out for the season. They could come back to the fold after having a, a solid lead. Trinity, Middlebury, Amherst, all tied at four and two. Bates, Wesleyan at four and three. Hamilton, three and three. Williams at two and four. Not everybody gets into the darn tournament in the first place. Um, and we don't even know who's going to host this at this point. Right. I, th- I think that, you know, Tufts players know they, they have a chance here because they want to host it. And, you know, last year, I, I think, again, it, it was a little bit different. You know, I know they lost and then were able to host a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. And they came up short to Amherst, a team they lost to in the NESCAC tournament and lost to in the NCAA tournament as well. Right, so this is a really big weekend for Tufts because if Tufts is able to beat Trinity and beat Amherst, then you can assure that the the road to the NCAA tournament through the NESCAC is going to go down, uh, go through Medford, Massachusetts. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if they lose to Trinity and they lose to Amherst, it's a toss-up. It really is. I mean, there's some conferences around the New England that are pretty, you know, that are in a race like this, but, you know, then there's some conferences that you already know who's going to be the home, home team. But uh, this yeah. is... This is going to come down to the wire, and I think that's that's what makes this conference so fun. And you're right. I mean, coaches in this conference have said this is really a deep – as Coach Hickson said and Coach Sheldon and some of the other coaches that I've spoken to uh, throughout the season, they know how deep this is. And, um, and again, I mean, I, you know, Middlebury could, could steal it, and Trinity is on the, is on the rise. So, uh, you know, any one of these teams could really host it. And we should mention, we'll see what regional rankings say, but at least three teams, maybe four, Tufts, Middlebury, and Amherst are in very good position regionally ranking-wise. So is Wesleyan. Hamilton could sneak into the regional rankings at some point by the end of the season, as long as they don't beat each other up too much. Three teams from the NESCAC are very likely. We've seen as many as five. I don't think we'll see five, um, but it'll be fascinating to see. Let's jump over the NECC, if you don't mind. Becker is on top of this one. On the men's side, 13-5 and overall, 9-0 and in the conference. Southern Vermont is there. Well, granted, they lost a ton from last year's squad. They're 9-9, and but 7-2 and in conference. And Daniel Webster is in the mix here at 12-7, and 6-4. and Kind of a hodgepodge of what we're not used to from this conference. Yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing was Becker and Southern Vermont, they, they played against each other last year, and, you know, this is the interesting thing. You know, I, I give Southern Vermont a lot of credit because if you look at the early part of their schedule – you know, Coach knew they, they wanted to go out and play some of the tougher teams, and they wanted to get themselves battle-tested to be able to compete. And, you know, you look at teams like Keene State and Bowdoin and Trinity, you know, they, they beat Trinity, and I think that was kind of an early early sign, and it set off maybe a little bit of bell saying, wait a minute, maybe this team is not as bad. You know, but Keene State's now starting to catch its stride, and, you know, Bowdoin is always, you know, Bowdoin is a you know is a tough squad. I mean, no pun intended, they are a polar bear. They're, they're tough. And, you know, then you look at other non-conference games against the Castleton of the NAC, and, you know, when they, you know, in playing Middlebury, too. So I give them a lot of credit. Even RPI was another one they, they had to play, too. So I give them a lot of credit. But, yeah, right now I think that Becker's has got the, the driver's seat. But, you know, there's some big games coming up because, you know, you've got, you know, uh, back-to-back games next week. So next Monday and Wednesday, we're going to see uh, a kind of a home-and-home day between Southern Vermont and Becker. Um, you know, the other teams to watch for, I think Wheelock is certainly in the mix. Uh, Daniel Webster has got some players, too. And Leslie's been a great story. I mean, let's not overlook Leslie and just kind That's of a good the, point. the start that they had. I mean, they got off to a really quick – I know they kind of – you know, they got off to a real, real quick start and cooled down with, you know, playing Mount Ida and Becker and, um, you know, kind of seesawed since. And, you know, a tough loss the other day to, to Wheelock. So, yeah, this is kind of one of those – 
The NECC is kind of one of those fun conferences that I feel like sometimes does get overlooked here in this region because you have the NESCAC, and then after that you might go to the new MAC, and then what's next? There's a whole bunch of others vying for attention. So, you know, from someone that's broadcasting games for, you know, early on right out of college in some of these games, this is kind of a fun conference because there, it does get overlooked sometimes, but there's definitely some really good competition up and down. And one of the stranger comments you'll hear on a on a twelve hour marathon. We're a little bit tight for time, so let's move on to the Triple C, <laughs> the Commonwealth Coast Conference. Endicott's leading this right now, and this one has been fascinating. We won't. We'll talk to Roger Williams as head coach Michael Tully in a minute, but Endicott's leading it at sixteen and four overall, eleven and two. Nichols is in the conversation at fifteen and five, ten and three, along with Roger Williams at ten and three and sixteen and four overall. And Gordon is lurking. Um, what I find interesting is almost every time I click on the rankings or, or the conference page, this, the, the order has changed. Uh, at one point, it's Endicott, and then they stumble, and Nichols gets into the conversation, and then Roger Williams gets into the conversation again, and then it's back to Endicott again, who's been in and out of the top 25, been in and out of my top 25 ballot. This is a real interesting trio at the top, and unfortunately, they're probably going to kind of eat each other, and only one's going to come out of here. Yeah, it's, you know, Endicott's a senior-laden team, so I'm yeah. not surprised that they've won four straight and they've kind of bounced back. Roger Williams is no fluke. You don't want to overlook the Hawks. I'm actually hoping I can try to get up for that game next Saturday. That would definitely be a really fun game to be in Town for. But then, you're right, I think Gordon is kind of the, the team that no one wants to really play because I think they're really good. Yeah. And, you know, they've had some – I mean, they had a game a couple of weeks ago that went down to a buzzer beater where they, you know, just – I think the ball got stuck against Endicott. One word, I'm not surprised that they're back in it. You know, Ar Arland does just a, a great job with that squad. And I know they kind of got off to a slow start, but seeing when we're now back in the full, being the number five team, and again, a, a conference that does eight, eight teams in its first playoffs, like the NESCAC. And then Eastern Nazarene and uh, Salary Regina, I've seen too. University of New England, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think, you know, it starts with Wentworth and it goes up to Gordon Nichols, Roger Williams, and Endicott. It's going to be fun. I mean, the, the Nichols. I almost wonder, too, for Nichols' sake, if it's probably not a bad thing to be in the number one squad because I know the past few years, Coach Glenn's squad has made the has made you know has won the regular season outright right. and then lost in the opening round of the tournament. So, kind of even put the pressure on Roger Williams or Endicott at the end of the day. But yeah, Endicott Endicott's my pick right now. I think Roger Williams. I think and then the teams underneath them, the two, three, four, five teams. They're going to show up in that gym and either in the semifinals or the championship and really push uh, Endicott to the brink. So I think Endicott wins it in the end, but um, don't don't count out those uh, the other the two, three, four, and five teams below. No, I agree with you. That's going to be fascinating. Let's switch over to the women. We'll stay in the same conference. Triple C. Roger Williams. Women are in control here. Sixteen and four overall. Thirteen and zero in the conference with a two-game lead on a pretty good University of New England squad, who's fifteen and five, eleven and two. Western New England is fourteen and five, ten and three. They've kind of separated it from everybody else here. Uh, but this conference isn't getting a lot of attention, and and you just look at that three-horse race at the top, and it it seems like it should. Right. I think the, the big the big game that stuck out to me was when Roger Williams defeated University of New, New England early on this yes. season because that really that was the game that was okay, now you gotta take this team seriously. And not that you can't take any of these teams on seriously. I mean eleven straight wins is something that you can't talk, you know, overlook. And University of New England, you know, what Coach Ewing has done, that's another good squad right there. And you know, Western New England I know Roger Williams I believe beat them. So it's it's gonna come it's going to come down to there. I my pick right now is I think that you know, Roger Williams is the number one seed for the conference tournament, but you know, can they sustain the momentum they're going to they're going to have? And that's the the question I think that some fans are going to going to have too. You know, after that, 
I, I think, you know, University of New England and Western New England are not going to be easy, easy outs. And, you know, University of New England's been there. So I'm not saying Roger Williams hasn't been there or Western New England hasn't been there. But, you know, they, they're kind of, you know, they've been, this, this you know, recent nine-game winning streak, something, I mean, it's, it's on my list to, to do here, uh, you know, uh, Dave. Maybe I should get on the phone right after this interview and get on the phone and ask you what the heck is behind this nine-game winning streak. But they really have kind of turned it around. So, um, you know, with a team that's got momentum like them, I, I think it's going to be hard to overlook. But I think Roger Williams gets the number one seed, but maybe UNE is the team that comes out of the tournament with the automatic qualifier. I don't know. We'll see. But that could be a real, real uh, tough test if uh, they got to play each other three times a season. Unfortunately, the uh, sad part for all three of those teams is below 500 SOSs. Couple extra losses here, and it's going to hurt them trying to get at large bids, especially in what is already a loaded women's northeast, as we already know. Um, and we go over to the NECC. Uh, hi, my name's Regis, and we like to win a lot. Um, <laughs> they haven't lost a conference game since entering this conference. They haven't lost a conference game since midway through the Triple C, um, I believe, back in 2011. They basically have the conference record here. Uh, Angela Santa Fe uh, picking up what she learned under Fifield at Southern Maine, and they have been rolling 13-6 and and 12-0 and here. Nothing against Becker, Elms, Wheelock, Newbury, or anybody else. But if Regis doesn't win this conference, that will be the story more than Regis winning the conference. Right. I think that, you know, Regis, again, they're a little bit more, as you, as you mentioned, and I've seen them play. And I think that, you know, one of the star players, of course, is you have, you have, you know, Stone and you have some other players also on this, you know, I mean, Brittany Stone, obviously, and, you know, and then Brennan, too, is also someone you can't overlook. But, you know, you can't overlook the fact that Becker, it's been a fun season for Becker. They're not, you know, I, I think for them, this is new territory, and I think it'd be great to see if they can continue the, the momentum. I know Wheelock had a good run last year. I think it was their best season in program history, and I know right now they're still in the mix. They're, I think, the number three or number four team right now. So, yeah, you're right. I, I mean, Regis is going to win this conference, but it's been – there's been, definitely been some interesting stories, you know, with, you know, Becker coming, you know, getting stronger, and certainly, you know, because Becker's got some young talent that could be interesting to watch over the next couple of years, and – you're right. I mean, Regis is going to be moving to the GNAC shortly. So that's right. the one thing that I think would be, you know, when they move, okay, then who's going to be able to be the next team that's going to step up? Maybe if it's, I think it could be Becker. I think Wheelock's a potential too. And, you know, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe Newberry and Elms can take a step forward here as well. But yeah, I think Regis, this is, this is a conference that Regis is going to win. And, but, you know, then the question is how, how do they fare when they get out of the conference and go into the, uh, the, uh, the first round of the NCAA tournament? I know they've struggled in uh, years past. So, It'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, uh, take the step forward they wanted this year. Speaking of match report, coming up next, we'll talk to Michael Tully, Roger Williams men's basketball coach, uh, about his team um, and how they're doing. In the meantime, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot before we let you go. It is Tufts. It is Amherst. It's at one versus two. It's got. It's the only time they're playing. There's a ton on the line. Who you got? I'm going with the Jumbos. You're oh! Right. I'm going with the Jumbos. I mean, Jumbo Pride, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Not because uh, I live, you know, close to Tufts, or, you know, I'm not trying to say that. And I've got Western <laughs> uh, Massachusetts ties. But, no, I think Tufts is going to – I think this is the – Tufts has it. And I, I think just because they're at home. and it, But it's going to be a great game. If you have a chance – unfortunately, I'm not going to be there. But if you have a chance to get out to that game, get out. That's, that's creme de la creme. Uh, D3 basketball, and it's it's definitely, in my mind, going to be the championship for the NESCAC. I, I don't see uh, maybe Bowden, but I, I just it's going to be Tufts and Amherst contending again for the uh, for the NESCAC. So this is the chance to decide who, wh which uh, which team wants to host the NESCAC championship. 
Uh, well, sir, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, um, I'm leaning towards Amherst, just for the record. Um, but I haven't made my, my mind yet. i got to do that well, before Michaela the Well, Michaela North. I mean, she just became the program's all-time leading point scorer. And uh, she's a Duxbury player. So, you know, I don't overlook a lot of student-athletes that come out of Duxbury. That's a fair point. That is a fair point. Uh, thanks so much for joining me, my friend. I do appreciate it. As always, give you the final word. Any final thoughts before we let you sign off? No, I think, uh, like I said, I, I feel like I'm echoing a lot of coaches, but this is great, and I uh, always appreciate the time, Dave. And, you know, for uh, for all you non-New Englanders, keep an eye on here because there's a lot of really cool. I mean, the NESCAC is definitely will be fun to watch for uh, on the men's side, and it'll be obviously on the women's women's side too. But I, I think there's definitely going to be some interesting uh, some interesting conference races up the next couple of weeks. Uh, keep an eye on the GNAC, too, and the Little East. So I, I want to give a shout-out to them and the NUMAC, too. So we'll see what happens. And the MASCAC, too. I, there you I go. Forget all of Just name them all. The NAC. How could I forget them, too? <laughs> Sir, thanks so much for taking the time. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, Dave. Matt Noonan joining us from uh, New England again. We appreciate him taking the time. By the way, folks, just noticed uh, we were on Facebook, and now we're not on Facebook. We're not sure what. Uh, we set it up so that it wouldn't expire, but it did. So we're going to relaunch Facebook here momentarily. In the meantime, we got to get to a commercial break because Michael Tully is coming on the show. Um, so we're just going to rush to that. Uh, we got more Hoopsville ahead. You're listening to Hoopsville. The Marathon Edition. We still got five and a half hours. No, 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 no. Three and a half hours left on schedule. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Um, if you've got questions for us, Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Um, got lots going on, and we're continuing to push through the show here. 
Um, anybody who, uh, well, this isn't relevant because anybody who's watching us Facebook Live isn't watching us right now, but we're going to try and get our Facebook Live simulcast back up and running. Uh, staying with the Northeast theme, we're going to jump over to one of the men's coach uh, programs we were just talking about, Roger Williams. Um, certainly, maybe just to me, but certainly a surprise this season. Uh, 16 and 4, which already trumps their record from last year at 12 and 16. The year before at 9 and 17. The year before that, you get the drift. Last time they won 16 games was 2011 when they finished 17 and 9. They're certainly playing really good this season. So, what's going on exactly out there? Well, that's the question we got to ask Mike. Michael Tully, their head coach, and he joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem. Coach, thanks for taking the time to join us, and uh, congratulations on the season. Oh, thanks, Dave, and uh, thank you for for having me on the show tonight. Absolutely. Uh, as uh, as people watch me switch earpieces yet again, uh, as I switched from one device to another, um, Coach. Again, this is you know we're looking at something that you guys haven't done in a while. Sixteen and four, you're at ten and three in the in the triple C, and we'll talk about the significance of that. You kind of just quietly been plugging along this season. Yeah, Dave. You know we we have we've, um, but I, I I definitely look back to to last season. You know it was right around this time we were hovering around five hundred, and we had an injury to our point guard the last five games of the regular season he missed and came back for the playoffs. And when we got to the playoffs, we played, you know, we played two great games and we got to the finals, um, lost to a very good Endicott team on the road. And I think we've just kind of uh, built off of that. And, you know, we had a young team and uh, a lot of, a lot of sophomores and, and freshmen and, and uh, some juniors as well playing on that team. And they're all back. Um, so I think we've just kind of built off of that experience. It's a heck of an experience uh, to build off, and obviously you you've kind of changed the conversation in the conference, uh, as it were. Uh, you're sitting now in an interesting position, a game behind Endicott, tied with Nichols. And as I just said to Matt Noonan, it seems like every time I turn on or, or switch to the Triple C's um, um, conference race, it, it this is different. And Nichols might be on top. You guys were on top uh, uh, several times. Uh, whether tied or alone, everybody is fifteen or five or better. You are sixteen and four, along with Endicott. Um, Gordon is is behind you guys by a game. They're there at twelve and eight, but at the top three have certainly caught my attention. Um, did you expect to be in this conversation at this point in the season? Um, yeah. Again, I, th I think going back to last year, I, I think we felt confident that we we had a really strong group returning. Um, and, we, and we did get off to a good start this year, which I always think think helps things. Um, and that goes right from our scrimmages to to most of our non non league play. I think we finished the non conference uh, slate at six and one, and uh, we just kind of built off of that and have been able to keep it going, um, which has been a good thing. But the conferences, you know, it's almost every year there's there's uh, there's some changes that you know somehow kind of. Different teams creep into the mix a little bit. Yeah, I've um, yeah, been in it for 15 years, so it's not as um, a new thing from that standpoint. Um, so, what's been the secret in the sauce? You, you talk about the 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 team last year um, gaining a little bit of confidence and, and maybe rolling into it this year. But has there been anything else that maybe the X's and O's can't show us? I, I think we. we what I'll say about the team is, is they are collectively, they, they're truly just a great team. Um, and that's all 15 of them, whether they're starting, um, 
coming off the bench or really not seeing too many minutes at all. Um, the chemistry is really good. Uh, they work hard, and, and they're a pretty talented group, too. Um, we, we have a good balance of we have some size, we have some shooting, we have some guys that can uh, make some plays off the dribble, and that's a good combination to have. And when you put that together with a team that has played some pretty good defense throughout the year, I think that's what's put us where we are. Um, talking to Michael Tully, head coach of the um, Roger Williams men's basketball team, who are 16 and 4, 10 and 3 in the conference, um, and certainly playing well. Um, this, uh, how would you characterize this team? Um, young with senior leadership, um, senior laden. I mean, you've got what three seniors on this squad, but then I see yep. a ton of sophomores and freshmen and a handful of juniors. So is this a young team with, with senior leadership or maybe a little bit more of a senior team with young players? I, I think actually, I think it's a combination. I think we have a pretty good balance now, which, which may be a little different than some of the years in the, in the past. Sure. Um, we have very, very good senior leadership. Um, it, it's, they've been extraordinary um, both on and off the court. And I think the juniors now have been around for three years, and they've really added a lot to that. And, you know, the, even the sophomores um, have really uh, contributed in that regard. And the freshmen have just been, you know, they've kind of stepped into a whole new scenario, and they've all uh, done really well. So I would say across the board, the leadership's been great. Um, those three seniors have, have, you know, they got three – three and a half years under their belt now, and, and they've just done a great job as far as the leadership goes. There's no question about it. Um, looking at the statistics of this team, um, and you're led by uh, Austin. Uh, is it Cone, or how do you say his Austin's? Uh, Cooney. Cooney. Um, yeah. uh, 20.8 points a game and six and a half rebounds, 2.1 assists, shooting over 50% from the floor, 30% from beyond the arc, uh, 12 points from uh, Nick Marini. Connor O'Brien with 10.6 points a game, and O'Brien's got eight rebounds on top of that. Should should also mention uh, Andrew Wasik nine points a game, and, and Jalen Jennings, 8.7. Jeez, 8.5 from Josh Seiska. As you keep going, just more guys pop up on the list. You've got quite a few people contributing. Yeah, and I, I think that's really uh, – that, that's been one of the, the, the hallmarks to this team is that they're just extremely unselfish. And, and even with a guy scoring 21 points a game, uh, I think if you watch us play, the first thing that you'd say is they're just they move the ball and they're very unselfish team. They they really um, they don't care who gets the credit and they're all capable of scoring. And on any given night, if I looked at a stat sheet after a game, it wouldn't surprise me if any one of those guys had a twenty point night. Um, that's an interesting point uh, that, that any of them can be that dangerous. By the way, I mentioned the Coney with two point one assists. I should mention Marini five point six assists. Um, you guys certainly are willing to, to distribute the ball, as also the scoring is an indication. You're outscoring your opponents by about nine points a game. You're out shooting them 48% to 39%. Um, and rebounding numbers, unfortunately, not going your way. You're actually being out-rebounded by about a, a rebound and a half. What is What, at this point in the season, are you guys still trying to work on to improve? Well, I think that's definitely one of the things that, that, um, that, that can stick out for us is in terms of uh, – how we perform in a given night is how we rebound the basketball. So if we had an Achilles heel, I would, I would point to that. Um, it, it's hurt us in some games. I don't know if it's cost us any games yet. Um, although 
Gordon is a team in our league who certainly rebounds the ball, I think, better than anyone in the country last I looked. So it, it, it has been an issue, um, and, and it's, it's something that if we can move forward and get a little bit better there, I think that will certainly help us. Um, talking to uh, Michael Tully, head coach of Roger Williams. Um, what's, the, what's the reaction been on campus? It's been great. You know, uh, we kind of got that. Or we started uh, second semester. Students came back. I, I want to say it was the 23rd or 24th. And uh, so that first night back, we had a home game, and the gym was full. It was a game against Nichols, which didn't go our way, which is a little <laughs> disappointing. But, sure. um, yeah, and, again, I would go back to last year. Um, you know, last year in the playoffs, we were the sixth seed, and we upset Eastern Nazarene on the road. Um, and on the bus ride home, I found out we were playing a home game in the semifinals, which, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that made it, uh, you know, that, that, that game was another great game, and we had a great crowd for it. And I think, again, um, coming off of that and then early success this year has really helped us as far as that goes. Obviously, the end of the season is going to be important. New England's up ahead coming up on Saturday. Uh, you'll play Gordon next week at home, Endicott then on the road the following Saturday. Um, obviously, you mentioned had already lost to Gordon, but you beat Endicott. So both those games important for different reasons. You want to revenge the loss to Gordon, and Endicott would probably love to get you back. Then Western New England and Wentworth to finish it off. This is obviously a league that's probably going to be one and done. Uh, whoever can win the conference title is going to get in, and then they got to do what they can in the NCAA tournament. So what's the message to the team moving forward from this point on? Actually, we, we talked a little bit before practice today. We, we actually had the day off yesterday, um, that Tuesday-Saturday uh, week. Um, so we were actually able to get them some rest during the week, which I thought was good. Um, you know, we, we, we've really taken the same approach in terms of what, what we're trying to do every day in practice, and we don't want to look too far ahead. I think, to, you know, today the message was, hey, th- this is where we are after 80% of the regular season, and, and here's why. And we need to keep moving forward with that. Uh, we don't want to jump ahead of ourselves. We've always taken the approach, let's get better today in practice and focus on what the next job is in the next game and not really get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, you've been uh, around this program since 2002 when you when you took over the program. Uh, you, you had played at Clark, so you certainly know New England basketball. Um, where do you What do you hope you can do with this season moving forward? Well, you know, our goal is obviously to to to, to win the league, as, as we're all trying to do, and get into the NCAA tournament for sure. Um, I, I think this is nice this year that, that we've had some of the success we've had, and and uh, I think gotten to a point where at least we're we're uh, raising some eyebrows, so to speak. And um, you know, New England's a tough region. There's a lot of teams. Um, you got you get some very strong conferences, so um, it, it's nice to be able to. to play some different conferences and see how you do in, the, in, in your non-league schedule, which we were able to do this year. Um, so, we're again, we're just running with it and, and uh, enjoying it right now. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to join us and talk about your team. Great race going on, obviously, in the conference. Uh, a conference that's had a lot of eyes on uh, Endicott uh, as they've been in and out of the top 25, but you and Nichols uh, have certainly tried to change that conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, well, just want to thank everyone. Thank you for having us and um, uh, giving us the opportunity to talk a little bit about the program and certainly thank everyone who does tune in and, and pays that close attention to Division Three sports and basketball in particular. 
Well said, Coach. Good luck the rest of the way. Obviously, this is the exciting part of the season. Not that the whole season isn't exciting, but this is when things get ramped up. We look forward to seeing how uh, how the how the team does the rest of the way. Thanks a lot, Dave. Thank you, Coach. Take care. Thank you. Michael Tully joining us again from uh, Roger Williams. They just beat Salve Regina back on uh, Saturday. I'm sorry, no, back on Tuesday, 80-73. to 73. Again, uh, on the road against University of New England coming up on Saturday, uh, then at home against Gordon, on the road against Endicott in Western New England before finishing the season at home against Wentworth, and then we got the conference tournament. A lot to figure out between now and then. Got to take another break. When we come back, we'll go down the East Coast into the Atlantic region, and we'll talk men's basketball down there, and we'll talk to Staten Island's coach Tony Potosa. Uh, this is going to be an interesting situation for them. They, he went out there and changed up how they do things, and uh, I'd be fascinated to see how he thinks of it now as they are in control of the conference, but are they in control of their season? It's a tricky question. From him, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum. It's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. When you hit the court, you imagine your finest moment. The game winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. Residential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Enjoying the show? It's the marathon. We are uh, closing in on the completion of, let's see here, uh, eight hours? Is that is that right? I don't know if I'm right on that. We'll double-check that in a moment. And we started at 10 a.m. We're closing in on 7, so actually that's more like nine hours, and we still got to go until 10 p.m. So I uh, hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions for us, all that information is scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Hoopsville Fundraiser is off and running. On Twitter, we did put out that special link. Uh, where you can get the um, uh, the same per, um, perks of a $75 donation at a lower reduced rate. That's on Twitter, and you can only have eight of them or ten of them, so take advantage of that um, while you can. 
Um, we're going to keep talking here. We're now talking um, Staten Island down in the Atlantic region. Really for them. They are 16-6 overall. They're walking away with the conference right now at 13-0. Tony Potosa's squad is certainly playing well, but I think it's the beginning of the season uh, he would love to have back. We'll talk about that despite the fact I think it's helping them right now. And joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem is Tony head coach of Staten Island. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate Absolutely. appreciate time. Yeah, I pre- yeah, no problem. I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, as I said, um, you know, the beginning of the season might have been rough, but you're certainly um, benefiting from it right now. Well, you know what? I think one of the primary reasons why we, you know, we struggled a little bit in the season, beginning of the season is because we play teams that are very good. So that <laughs> has a tendency to happen a little bit. Um, but, you know, we went this year. I tried to find, you know, and again, it, it sometimes is a matter of luck. Uh, we just were very fortunate to start off the season with some teams of teams, and I think it's helped us. Um, yeah, I mean, you look like everybody. What they've told me, and by the way, whether it be coaches who've who've heard you say it or others who have talked to you about it, said that you made the point of going out and saying, you know what, our SOS hasn't been that good in years past. We keep getting left out of the tournament. We know a couple of years ago where you guys and and um, and William Patterson were kind of you know nip and tuck in the Atlantic region, and neither of you got in. You went out there and purposely changed the conversation a little bit in 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 your team in the sense of going out there and challenging yourselves. But I also get the sense that you almost had it happen at the wrong year. Well, listen, it, it's going to happen from time to time. Again, it's sometimes it's just a matter of luck. I mean, we win one or two games that 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 year with a season that we didn't get in. Um, and we play against somebody who is in the top 20, but we lose, we, we lose a game and then we don't get an opportunity to play against them. So it kind of, you know, sometimes it's just the right place at the right time. Uh, the beginning of the season, uh, as I said, was rough. You guys started two and four on the, with Salisbury and Cabrini losses, also lost in New Jersey City and Stevens. Three of those four, or at least two of those four in the top 25. Um, you also have right. a loss to non-Division three Wagner. You have a loss to Middlebury, who's clearly – getting a lot of attention. Middlebury's got SOSs in the country. So you've got certainly a nice boost there. But I have this sense that despite all those losses, you're 13-0 in the CUNYAC, and, and you're playing really well in the CUNYAC, that the team didn't take those losses too hard, that they really have built from them. No, listen, you, you can't. I mean, one, the most important thing to our kids is, listen, we're trying to schedule the best teams that we can to, to make ourselves and prepare ourselves for our conference because the one thing that we can do in our conference that we might not be able to do outside of the um, would be to get some stops against teams that don't run and don't have the size that some of the teams in there have. Um, and again, you know, Salisbury, for example, has a kid in the middle that's six seven six eight has incredibly good moves, and we're not going to find another kid in this area uh, that has that ability this year anyway. Yeah, well, that is absolutely the truth. Um, you got three more games left, and your Cack will start your conference play with uh, uh, the weekend ahead of time. Just got a win over Medgar Evers, and you got a win over New York, New York. This conference is a little bit interesting. Um, it, it's been a kind of a, you guys, and then everybody else. Lehman, CCNY, uh, nine and four, sitting uh, four games behind you. Then Baruch. How hard is it to get the team to focus on the task at hand when, in reality, you're walking away from the conference so easily? Well, because you know what, we really, I, I hate to say this, we really don't talk too much about the conference. 
we talk about the individual teams. Um, and one of the things I said to my kids today is, listen, I, I know you guys probably aren't, and this is crazy that I'm saying this, I know you guys probably haven't had the opportunity to really watch a guy like Michael Jordan play because you guys are a little young, but he found the challenge every, every single time he walked on the court. And you need to find whatever that is. You need to find a challenge every time you walk on the court. And the next team that we play, we, I kind of said, listen, hey, remember last year this that we play uh, on Saturday. And they kind of like, yeah, you know what, that's right. And hopefully that's going to make them a little bit hungrier than if I hadn't said that. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, uh, you obviously want them focusing on what's ahead of them and, and right. what's going on. And obviously you have two out of three games left at home, Hunter with Brooklyn sandwich in between on the road. Um, this is uh, It's still important to finish this off and finish the conference undefeated. You've wrapped up home court. You can't lose that at this point. Um, it's almost about putting another challenge and another goal in front of the team at all times, right? Yeah, yeah. and, and listen, and, and the, the conference tournament is an important conference tournament. Yeah. Um, and, and in my eyes, and, and, and I'm sorry for the kids too, the only way we go to the NCAAs is if we win the tournament. That, that's that's yep. kind of what we've discussed, and that's that's how we have to approach it. And if something happens and you're fortunate enough to get in without winning the tournament, then you're fortunate. But in my eyes, that's that's what I have. That's what we have to do. We got to take one game at a time. And if we stumble, hopefully it doesn't happen in the, in the tournament. Now we should point out uh, home court advantage isn't really that um, important, right, in the CUNYAC, because you guys play on a neutral floor for the tournament. Is that correct, or am I always getting that yeah. screwed up? No, you're 100 percent correct, and 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 don't get me started because I'll be a little critical. But um, <laughs> it is it is a absolute non-advantage to be honest. Yeah. With you. Well, Coach, you, you say something like that, I'm almost tempted to get you started. That's that 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 intrigues me. Well, I mean, listen, I I, I do think that in in this day and age that you are a if you're the number one seed, most schools and most tournaments are now run at the high seed, and I feel that's the way we should go. Um, and and I do think it's the most fair thing because we could be playing in the second round against a team that we beat twice on their home court. I think that's a, that's a little... Uh, I was going to say, where's the tournament this year? It's at CCNY. Okay, yeah, that's always at CCNY, right? Correct, yeah. correct. Um, yeah, I can understand the argument entirely, so I'll, tr I'll, I'll transfer you over to your team a little bit. Let's talk about the, the individuals. you got three sure. seniors on this squad. Frank, uh, shit. Is it Shatino? I was right the first time. My gut instinct. Shatino, <laughs> your senior, 17 and a half points a game, six and a half, and almost seven rebounds a game, handing out 9.1 assists a game. That's, um, I mean, five assists a game in my books a lot. To nearly be at 10, coach, is more than impressive. Uh, he's had a remarkably good year. Uh, and I'm thrilled because he's be really be, he's really really become uh, a kid that has tried to do the things the right way. Where at times in his career he hasn't, and I think there's a, he's he has a maturity level that when I look at him now, I appreciate the fact that he's still listen. He's still going to frustrate me. I think any point guard <laughs> frustrates the head coach sometimes. Yes, but he he's come he's come miles and miles and just in the last year, and it's and it's nice to say. Uh, certainly impressive to say the least. Um, and it's just mind blowing. He still shoots nearly forty percent from the floor. Another yeah. senior, and I believe it's Kalik Baum, 
13 and a half points Correct. a game, 7.7 rebounds a game. Um, by the way, I forgot, um, Frank also has like 54 steals on the season, which is almost three three steals a game. But back to Baum, um, 55, 56% shooter from the floor. And then two juniors, Kevin Murphy and, and is it E. Brasic? I, I didn't bet Brasic. Bra- he might be Brockick, but we'll, we'll go with Brasic. Okay, sounds good. 12.8 and 11.1. Uh, those are your main guys, the four who are in double Correct. figures. You got other contributors there, but that's that's a nice group to have four guys like that who are going to tr- contribute on different parts, whether it be inside or outside. Um, uh, that that makes it a little bit more dangerous. Well, listen, everything starts off with Frankie. There's no question about it. Um, and Kalik has been re- remarkably good this year. He provides a lot of energy, but we do get a lot from a lot of different kids. And this is, and that's not typical of me. Because I'll be honest with you, uh, especially in years past, you were lucky if I went past my sixth man, my seventh man. Uh, this year we're probably sometimes playing as many as 10 or 11 kids, mainly because we're young. And I feel that I, because young kids, um, if they don't get an opportunity to play, kind of pack it in. So I wanted to make sure that this year, especially because they do practice hard and they do play hard, that I think I, I needed to expand my the amount of kids that are playing. And I, I think it's been good for our team. I'm talking to Tony Potosa, head coach of Staten Island, the team on a 10-game winning streak here, 16-6 and overall. Uh, 13-0 and in the CUNYAC and have wrapped up the top seed, but as coach says, that doesn't mean much. What outside of those four guys and the rest of the squad do the X's and O's don't tell About the, kid, the kids themselves? Yeah, uh, or the team well, itself. Uh, here, here's the one thing that I will say, um, and this is coming from someone who's been doing this a long time. I've had a number of years where we, I've, I've looked at my kids and I wasn't happy with the way they either practiced or themselves or, or, or things of that nature. And I look at these kids this year, and it, they've made coaching fun this year. Well, last year and maybe even the year before, it wasn't because I felt like my kids did not come to play every day. I walk out of the gym and I say, you know what, today maybe wasn't a great practice, but it was a pretty good practice. And I never walk out saying, wow, they really, really are dogs. And that's, that's a nice thing to say because there are a lot of kids out there that when they, they show up, just, they, that's all they do is just show up. And they, my kids this year have showed up to play. Uh, that uh, says a lot, that is for sure. Uh, an impressive squad, Coach. And obviously you know you need to win to get in. So there's a little bit of extra pressure on not only finishing the regular season well, but finishing the conference tournament in first and grabbing that title. You know it well from missing out a few times. Is that something you need to tell the team? Do you need to remind them? No, you know what? I, I, you know what? I can't. I, that wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be sure. fair to them. Because if, if I think if I said it to myself, it would put pressure on my And I don't need to put pressure on them. They just need to go out and play one game at a time. And if we're fortunate enough to, to, to win, whether it's to win out or win the CUNY tournament, then it's something that we can really appreciate and, and look back on. And if we don't, I still think it's these kids are going to look back on this year and say, wow, we, we were a lot better than people thought we were. And, and again, they, I know they want to win the whole thing, but let's forget about winning the whole thing. Let's just get our game on Saturday and go from there. Makes sense to me, Coach, and good mentality, I would think. I'm hoping I get to see you guys dancing in the NCAA tournament. You look like a pretty solid team. I think you might scare some people once you hit the tournament. Uh, the Coach, the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? I just want to wish everybody the very best, and, and I appreciate the opportunity that you guys have afforded me and continue to do what you're doing. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words. Good luck the rest of the way, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. 
Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, Dan. Definitely. Tony Petosa joining us from uh, Staten Island, head coach of the Dolphins. Um, by the way, got one of the cooler logos out there. Uh, again, as we mentioned, on a 10-game winning streak, they are 16-6 and overall, 13-0 and in the conference for a team that started um, 2-4 and and 6-6 six and six on the year. They are playing extremely good, and I know it's, it's a, a bit of uh, the conference uh, conversation a little bit there, but at the same time, I think the, the tough start to the season has helped this team grow a little bit. They may be a dangerous out in the NCAA tournament. At least I hope they would be for, for the effort that they've been putting in. Uh, by the way, we're back up on Facebook Live. Hope you're enjoying. Apparently, um, a continuous stream doesn't always end up as a continuous stream. Now we're learning things new about Facebook all the time, but we're back up if you're enjoying it there. Uh, we're also uh, obviously still plugging along here on YouTube. If you got any questions for us, et cetera, et cetera, you know how to get a hold of us at the bottom of the screen. Uh, got another contribution on the um, on the uh, fundraiser. We did that. Uh, we'll check out uh, that contribution in a bit, uh, and we'll keep on moving. Next up, we'll go from the Atlantic region back into the Great Lakes region. We'll go into the Heartland Conference. Anderson has been one of those teams that just keeps the uh, conversation rather interesting, to say the least. By the way, we should also mention, I know Chad Grubbs has been uh, tuning into the show periodically during his drive across the country. He shared with us on Twitter the scenery uh, as you go from conference game to conference game uh, in Texas. We'll share that a little bit later. And then don't forget, coming up, we also have the, um, the happy hour. Uh, it's, for me, still a ways away, but for you, uh, you can pace yourself. We'll get James Wagner, our friend, uh, to start it off, and then we'll get a free-for-all here of just talking Division Three basketball. It's one of the better parts of the marathon. But in the meantime, we'll go out to um, out to Anderson and talk to Owen Handy. And then up after that, we'll talk to the former men's committee chair, uh, Buena Vista's Brian Van Haften. Talk to him about his squad, who's now finds themselves in the race at the top of the IIAC. And still ahead, Kevin Vandestreek, the men's basketball committee chair from Calvin, will join us. Also going to hear from Duncan Robinson from Michigan. And who knows who else we'll dig up before we get to the happy hour at 9 o'clock. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA ABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwold to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. <laughs> 
Great moments are born from great opportunities. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook. I should point out, by the way, we're back to simulcasting on Facebook as well. Uh, you can also join us on Twitter at d3hoopsville or hashtag um, and join us. Um, well, we're on Instagram as well, though we haven't been using it today as much for obvious reasons. It's hard to, to one man uh, one man do this, and so some things you just have to cut out, and that is definitely one of them. Um, still talking men's basketball here. Talked a lot of women's basketball earlier in the show, but now we're talking men's basketball, and we're jumping back into the Great Lakes region at this point to talk to our next team. Um, the HCAC race has been fascinating, to say the least, Talk, you know, we talked about in the Northeast how at, at any point I, I could look into the um, into a, the race in the Triple C and go has, has changed a top. Well, you could almost argue the same thing has been happening in the HCAC. Um, Mount St. Joseph was the pick at the early part of the uh, beginning of the season, the preseason, to be the, the winner of this conference. They certainly have been up in that conversation and in first place early on. Then Hanover came roaring along. Then Anderson came roaring along. Then got into the mix with an 11-game winning streak. Now it's Hanover on top, tied with Mount St. Joseph. Anderson's a game back at 10-3. and three. Transylvania and Rose Holman are lurking at 8-5. and five. Everybody seems dangerous. So this is one of those, I'm like, who have I not talked to in a while? Well, we haven't talked to Anderson. And Owen Andy has been doing a pretty good job with the Ravens. Of course, we're from Baltimore, and right before the Super Bowl, I figured talking to a Ravens might not be that bad an idea either. So joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the City of Salem, is the Ravens head coach, and not Baltimore's, Anderson's, Owen Handy. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. Great to be on with you. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, seriously, this was a conference everybody thought Mount St. Joe would finish in, a uh, top in. They, they Hanover, they thought, might be in the mix. Didn't really know what to think about Transylvania. I don't remember, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't remember Anderson being in the conversation. <laughs> no, we, uh, you know, we were picked sixth in the preseason poll, and uh, I think a lot of people would have told you that we had the talent to contend, um, but were young and, and really hadn't proven anything. Um, you know, we had last year won seven in a row, and we were nine and five, and feeling pretty good about ourselves, and and dropped our last four conference games to fall out of the the conference tournament. We got tie, t- sort of tiebreakered out uh, with uh, with Transylvania. So I think a lot of people were unsure what to make of us, and um, you know would have looked at a talented roster and said oh, they got a chance to be pretty good. But but let's see if they can prove something before we uh, before we we you know give them that credit. And and you know I would be inclined to agree with that. I, I don't feel like going into the season that we had proved a lot. Felt like we had uh, we had something to uh, uh, to shoot for with that. Well, and to be honest, uh, you know, up until four games ago, you guys were were just cruising. Um, you were sitting at uh, let's see, eleven and five. Um, you had, had taken a, a tough stretch in the in the beginning of December where you lost three out of four, um, including Hanover and Calvin. But it had kind of woken up since then, beating. Um, uh, Frostburg down at the Roanoke tournament, uh, losing to Roanoke in a tight one, but then kind of cruising from there, winning five in a row and getting back in the conversation. 
It's the last four that are interesting. You, you lost to Hanover, beat Defiance, beat Transylvania, ending their their bit there, and then lost last night to to Mount St. Joseph. Is this is this just a sign the conference is beating each other up, or is this a sign that maybe you guys have, are, are weathering a little bit of the the grind, as it were? You know, I think when I look back to early in the season, we had uh, we had an injury to to our second lead, uh, one of our top three leading, Will Hartman, who's really our our low post scorer, and I was actually thrilled with how we competed in some of those losses um, without him dressed. You know, we lost by two, two, and three, uh, and he was sitting on the sitting on the bench in street clothes. So um, those were some some tough losses, but I thought we really developed um, some. Uh, in our rotation while Cole was was uh, was out hurt and, and I think we've started to see that pay off a little bit now I wasn't I wasn't thrilled with how we played at home against Hanover to be honest they're they're a terrific team John does a great job and they're a team that defends really physically without fouling and that can be tough for us we're, we're uh, short and we're um, um, so we, we don't look big out there and teams that can defend physically teams that defend physically and foul that's great for us we're shooting 84 percent from the line in conference play but John's teams do such a great job of defending physically without fouling. I thought they were able to really disrupt our offensive rhythm. Uh, but I think we, I think we learned from that. I think we, we took things away from that. Knocked off defiance, went down to Transylvania, started slowly. Um, but I thought we had a lot of confidence um, down the stretch in that game. And then last night at Mount St. Joe, uh, you know, another. I mean, to, to go, uh, you know, Hanover, Transylvania, Mount St. Joe, three out of four, three um, veteran coaches who conference championships uh, all coached the NCAA tournament and then last night Toby Kerrigan you know mounts a, won two years in a row um, you know we had a 12 point lead with six minutes left and I thought the last six minutes of the game they looked like a team that had been in those games consistently mm-hmm. and we looked like a team that still has to learn how to win games. I was really proud of our effort I thought we I thought we really competed we just made a couple of mistakes down the stretch and, and Mount took advantage of them like a, a good team, a veteran team, an experienced team in those games does uh, and, and knows this out at, at the finish line. But I, I'm actually really pleased with how we're playing right now. Um, yeah, it's, 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 this conference is interesting. Um, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, and, and listen, this is a conference, as you said, you've had teams in the NCAA tournament and teams that have made waves. Transylvania, mm-hmm. I don't think, has lived up to the hype a few years that they've made it, and I mean that. Uh, unfortunately, because I think they've been a good team in those occasions. Uh, yeah. Hanover has been in there. Mount St. Joe's is nobody really takes it seriously. But then I look at this conference, and I know that there's good teams here, and you almost wonder yourself, when's the breakthrough going to happen? Um, and I'm wondering if what I'm seeing, in the sense that you guys are all beating each other, is a sign that that breakthrough is going to happen. And that sounds strange, but it's almost like you're playing well, beating each other. Or is this just a, just the continuation of the same theme? How do you do you see where I'm coming from, and, and can you help me out with that a little bit? Yeah, no, absolutely, Dave. I think you know in the in the early 2000s, the HCAC had some really good teams. Yeah, uh, Manchester lost by two points at Worcester in the NCAA tournament that would have sent them to the Elite Eight. Uh, Transylvania in the early 2000s is in the Elite Eight. Uh, Anderson, before I got here, my predecessor, Tom Slider, led him to a, a first-round upset over, I think, at the time, second or top-ranked St. Thomas. Yes. Um, two years ago, uh, Defiance knocked off top or second-ranked Whitewater in the first round of the incident. So we've had some teams that have, um, you know, over the years had the, had the ability, but we haven't had the depth at the top lately 
that I think they had in the early 2000s. And if you, I don't know how much stock you put in the Massey ratings, but if you look at the Masseys, <laughs> the top of our league is as good as it's been uh, in five or six years in terms of having four teams that are, you know, that are in the top 100 in the country in the Massey ratings or top 90 in the country in the Massey ratings. And that hadn't been the case for the HCAC. Um, you know, we've had some really good teams. Um, you know, Jim Shaw had a couple great Rose Holman teams that got to the tournament. My first year in the league, uh, uh, Brian Lane at Transylvania had a team that got sent to Illinois Wesley in the first round and lost by five or six or seven points there. Um, but, but I do think a big key to success in the NCAA tournament is have you played those types of competitive games consistently yeah. during your season? Have you been faced with those games? And I don't know that the depth at the top of our league uh, has prepared teams well when we've had those good teams. And my hope, I, you know, maybe I'm being optimistic, but I think with the, the depth at the top of our league this year, um, you know, whichever of us make it, I think we've got a decent chance of getting a second team in this year. I don't know. I haven't, haven't looked at, at the numbers. I think, um, you know, Hanover and Mount St. Joe both have a couple pretty impressive non-conference wins. Um, so, you know, my hope is that, that we beat each other up enough that that pays off in the NCAA tournament. I think that's what you're pointing towards, and yeah. maybe I'm being optimistic, but I, I agree with you, Dave. Um, you talk about this team being young and maybe not having – so that's why maybe no one's giving you the credit or had at the beginning of the season. You have two yeah. seniors, and Brett Anderson and, and uh, Nathaniel – is it a Cree? Acree. Acree. See, at this yep. point in the show, this is where that this is where the sign I'm tired – is when I'm starting to really botch the names. Um, you know what? That's how people say it, actually. When, okay. I, when I get consulted by the uh, public address now yeah. before the game, you're definitely in the meaty part of the curve with that mispronunciation. Okay. I'll take that then. Um, <laughs> though I usually like to be ahead of the curve. I'll take that. Yeah. Um, Nathaniel's 12.1 points a game and Brett's 7.2. We're at the, actually fourth and fifth. Yeah. That is, it's that youth that's really driving the ship here. You got Trevor Lucas, twenty point yeah. eight points a game, seven point one rebounds, three point two assists, seventeen and a half points for Cole Hartman at five rebounds, seventeen points from Stanley Duncan. Um, that's and by the way, Hartman shooting sixty four percent. That's where this this ship is driving, and it feels like you know, yeah, this year's great, and you're and it's a good season. Hartman is a sophomore. Um, Lucas is a junior. And Duncan is a sophomore. It feels like this is great experience for next year. And that's not to take away from the seniors, not to take away from this season. We're still going to focus on the season, but for next year. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I, I do think, you know, and if you look down our bench, we've got one junior playing big minutes off the bench, and everybody else coming off the bench is a freshman or sophomore. And, and Trevor Lucas actually is a junior, but he transferred in, so he's just in the second year in our program. So. Gotcha. Um, we've got two seniors starting and playing a huge role for us. Good defensive players, both guys who are very smart at the offensive end. And uh, Nathaniel is our all-time leading three-point maker, and Brett is one of the smartest players I've ever coached. So those guys are both really, really important to us, even though their their statistics aren't as as gaudy as some of the some of the other guys. Um. So, what do you tell these guys, or how do you prepare them? For the finish, um, you've got five more games in in conference. You're all, and three of them are at home, all in a row. Earlham, yep. Manchester, Bluffton. Then you take on Rose Holman and Franklin. You're not playing the top, so the best is keep doing what you're doing and not yep. slip. Granted, you're you're gonna play um, 
You're going to play uh, Rose Holman, who's you're tied with right now. So that certainly could be yeah. a factor. So how do you keep them understanding the task at hand, understanding that it's out of your control, except that you still have to win and don't up? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, the cliche is one game at a time. Yes, you know, all that heard it a lot today. <laughs> yeah, well, my, my, my impression on it, honestly, Dave, is that, um, you know, there, there's a lot of basketball to play. All We all have games, when I say we all, Transylvania, Rose Holman, Hanover, Mount St. Joe and Anderson all have games against teams that we can lose. Um, and that's equally true of the teams that aren't us. So do I think that would I, would I predict Hanover's going to lose another game? I wouldn't. Do I think there's a good possibility that they're going to be challenged? Absolutely. I feel the same way about, about Mount St. Joe. So we feel like we're very much uh, in this race. Um, but, uh, again, I mean, we played, uh, if I go through our last five games, we played a, a game at Earlham that was, I think they led at the half. Um, at Manchester, the final spread was a double-digit game, but that was nip and tuck with two minutes to play, and we made free throws to spread. Uh, Bluffton's got a guard in Austin Rohde who's capable of putting up 35 points uh, without, without blinking an eye. Obviously, at Rose Holman, who's one of the two teams to beat uh, Hanover in league play, uh, and then at Franklin, which has been a, a challenging place for us to play. I couldn't tell you the last time we didn't play a, a, a game with them that came down to the wire. So I'm not too too worried, honestly, about our players' ability to focus. I think if they remember our these opponents we have left the first time through, they're going to know that that we've got to show up and, and really play well to to win. It's going to be a fascinating finish, that is for sure. Um, you have a motley crew of coaches in this league. Let's also be. East. Um, we do. It's a fun group, though. Yes, it is. These um, guys get along great and, and, and I think respect each other. It's a fun league to coach in. Um, it's fun. I'm surprised you guys actually get any coaching done during games. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, sometimes I want. Um, my question to you, though, is more along the lines of how in the world did you end up where you ended up in, in some way? Um, because. Uh, <laughs> If nobody knows, you grew up in Holland, Michigan. Yep. So there's a school right in the in town named Hope. Yep. There's a there's a school thirty minutes away named Calvin, and you end up at a school in Illinois named Wheaton, which means Hope and Calvin were in the conversation. Um, <laughs> yep. Because you went to a school in Wheaton, which is like Hope and Calvin. Heck, mm-hmm. is going to Wheaton, you might as well just ended up at Messiah in Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> how in the world did you get out of Holland? scathed by hope or calvin yeah that, you know what that's a great question i've got i actually have family ties at both schools my mom worked at calvin better uh, example and, uh, i yeah yeah and i have uh, a number of aunts uncles cousins uh, my grandpa actually is a hope grad so i've got family ties at both institutions um and believe it or not i was strongly encouraged by my mom to to consider going out of town to school which at the time i wasn't thrilled with but in retrospect, it was really good advice um, because I, I sort of got to spread my wings and, and be my own person and uh, and that type of thing. So um, it was kind of, I don't want to conclusion, but I felt strong about attending a Christian college and uh, so ended up at, at Wheaton and wasn't good enough to play there, but wanted to coach. I had the goal to be a high school teacher and coach and, and um, coach middle school teams my freshman and sophomore year and my junior year, Coach Harris got so sick of me stopping by and bugging him for advice that he and Paul Ferguson, who was the assistant at the time, offered me an opportunity to be a student coach for a couple of years. And 
when I graduated, they offered me the, the princely sum of $1,000 a year to join the coaching staff, and I jumped at it. So um, that, was sort of how I, that was sort of how I ended up there and, and coaching at the college level. And then to the Anderson, uh, to be honest, was a, was a, a pretty unique one. A, a close friend of mine at Wheaton, the SID there, Brett Marhanka, yes. um, had been the SID at Anderson before he came to yep. Wheaton. Yep. And uh, when the job opened... Um, I got a text from Brett that said, you got to apply for that job, job there. And I think you'd love it. So I did. And <laughs> I kind of fooled him into hiring me and, and, and uh, I've loved every minute of it. Well, you got to, I gather in the coaching sense, at some point you need to fool somebody. <laughs> That's right. That's what I've <laughs> gathered that at some point the wool gets pulled over somebody's eyes. Um, uh... I, I hope Brian Lane is listening to the show because he's hired at Transylvania and he knows I think he pulled the wool over somebody's eyes. <laughs> um, I can say that because he's friend. And, yeah, oh yeah. And and I don't trust he'll reach through the screen and and, and throttle me. So no, he'd he'd have some sort of clever reply though if if he had if he had the doubt about that. Yeah, I'm waiting for my phone to twer- to chi- to chirp. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated at that story because I'm surprised you haven't been disowned or, or have you been disowned by your family? <laughs> well, no, the, the, the family, you know, my mom always says blood is thicker than water. And, uh, when I was at Wheaton, my, my grandpa, sh- our games at hope in an orange sweater and a, a longtime friend of his walked over and said, I trust that's hope orange and not Wheaton orange. And he said, well, blood is thicker than water. So I, my family's been, my family's been wonderful. I will say when we beat Calvin last year, I got more emails from people in Holland who were associated with Hope that I hadn't heard uh, since I had left for college than, than I'd care to count because they were all thrilled we beat Calvin and somehow thought I had struck a blow for Hope in the process. And my response to all of them was, well, you didn't beat him. You know, we beat him at Anderson. So, <laughs> Wow. Well, you just needled that one, didn't you? Yeah. Well, you've got yep. the remind you of this. <laughs> Wow, that that takes guts. You, you're a gutsy man for someone out of Holland, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. There, there aren't too many of us. There aren't too many of us. No, you're right. Tom Davilar's another one, by the way. At Hope, he's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, Greg, you know, great coach Mitchell, the Carlson brothers. There. Yeah. All guys, I've got a lot of respect for and, and close friends. So. Well, until you play each other in the NCAA tournament, then all bets are off. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hopefully sooner than later. Exactly. By the way, I have uh, an empty and a, let's say, two-thirds full bottle of something from a place called Holland Brewery I think you would appreciate sitting oh, in the I, uh, back, back of the camera shot here. Being, being at Anderson University, we're a Wesleyan holiness tradition school, so I, I'll, I won't comment on that. I knew you wouldn't, but I find it <laughs> ironic that the place is located across the street from Hope College. That's all yeah, there I'm you go. Just, just, just down the block. I will say I have I have dined there on several occasions. Oh, the food's terrific. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Uh, yep. Don't want to get you in any trouble. Uh, <laughs> Owen, great having you on the show. Uh, congratulations to your Ravens. Uh, obviously, having a tremendous season. Uh, the whole conference is fascinating to watch. I've certainly I sit here trying to pick out guests, going, "Oh, there goes that idea. They lost again, and now so and so is on top." And oh, they lost again. It just it gets frustrating. So we just chose you. Uh, actually, no, we had Brian in line, and then you beat him. And then I went, well, i got to go get him. <laughs> so. All right, well, the, the, if the win wasn't enough, being on your show makes it doubly there. Uh, doubly, there. Uh, yeah, you can rub that into Brian and say, hey, I heard I took your spot on the hoop show, and he will not be yep. too. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? 
No, I mean, I appreciate all your good work on behalf of Division Three basketball. Excited for uh, our last two and a half weeks in conference tournament. Like you said, I think the HDAC is a fun league this year, fun one to follow. And uh, I think we've got some great pool candidates and hopeful that maybe we'll get uh, two teams representing our league this year. Well, that'd be fun to see if you guys can pull it off. If not, uh, congratulations nonetheless, and we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. Maybe we'll see you in Salem. All right, I'll look forward to it. All right, take care, Coach. Thanks, Dave. See ya. Owen Handy again joining us from Anderson, 13-7. and In a fascinating HCAC race, as we remind you, they are a game behind Hanover and Mount St. Joe, um, who are 11-2 and each, and there are two games up on Transylvania and Rose-Holman, who are tied at 8-5. and It'll be fun to watch uh, come down to the end. It's going to be a good battle to see who can get into the tournament. Certainly a good job uh, by Anderson, to say the least. Going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to go talk to the former men's basketball committee chair before talking to the current men's basketball committee chair. I have a bit of a sick sense of humor here because they're both very good friends. Uh, Brian and, and Brian Van Haften was coached at one point by Kevin Vandestreek. So coming up next, this is my sick sense of humor. Brian Van Haften from Buena Vista joins us before Kevin Vandestreek comes on the air to talk about what has happened already on the men's basketball committee in the first mock selections. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back with more Hoopsville right after this. My name is Marcus Walker. Won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. He'll take it to another level, elevate your game, right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had bats. And the tears linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Welcome back to Hoopsville. We are flying along here as we are underway. As we have crossed, we're coming up on nine and a half hours on the air today in the fourth annual Hoopsville Marathon. We've got at least two and a half more hours to go. Two and a half hours, a little bit more free 
uh, to try and answer your questions. Coming up, we'll talk to Kevin uh, uh, to Brian Van Haften. I'm sorry, from Buena Vista, the former men's basketball committee chair and and head coach of Buena Vista. His team uh, in the hunt in the IAC. We'll talk to him. Then, in my as I said before the break, in my sixth sense of humor, I bring in a man who used to coach Brian and has followed him as men's basketball committee chair. Calvin's men's basketball coach, Kevin Vandestreek, will join us. Uh, still ahead, we also have Duncan Robinson of Michigan. But then the show kind of loosens up a little bit, gets you a chance to really talk with us, gets us a chance to really answer your questions. And, of course, the happy hour starts at 9 o'clock as we roll into the last hour of the program. We'll help kick that off, and then we'll have a free-for-all pretty much of people chiming in and answering your questions and whatnot. This is where it gets a little more fun, and this is where you get to really ask us questions and be a part of the show. Uh, if you do have questions, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, or tweet us at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville, and uh, we'll have some fun with Facebook Live at facebook.com slash hoopsville. And uh, we're there quite a uh, quite a bit. Um, we're live streaming, and you can even try and answer some of your questions there. i got a great piece of video out of Texas, too, to show you. But let's go back to the Hoopsville Hotline presented by the City of Salem, the former head coach. <laughs> no, he's, he's still head coach. You probably didn't know that until just now, but he's still the head coach of Buena Vista. Um, the team is um, having a tremendous season. Um, I've been watching other teams in the IAC, and then they came strolling along uh, so far. They're 10-2 and two in the conference on top, two-game lead on Nebraska Wesley, and in a two-and-a-half game lead on Loris. Uh, Univista is playing very well, but he's also the former men's basketball committee chair, which will make sense in a bit. Brian Vian Hafton joins us on the Hoopsville Hotline, and for the first time in probably, oh, a year and a half, he's not going to get grilled with any difficult questions from me, Coach. Welcome on. Yeah, right. I've, <laughs> I, I've heard that before, Dave. Yeah. So uh, thanks, thanks for me on, Dave. Really appreciate it. Appreciate all you do for D3 Hoops and uh, – it's a joy to be on the show with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Kind words. Um, it's it's nice to have you as well, uh, though I did find it interesting. had you on a year ago because you were the committee chair. Um, but we, the reason I, I had to get you on this time was I said, you know, I haven't been the IAC in a while. Well, what the heck? The Beavers are on top of the conference. When did that happen? Um, this has kind of been just quietly coming along. At the beginning of the season, you started, what, three and four? Um, one, two, three, four, five, and six, or six and five, I think, to start. Six and six, really, to start. And then since then, only lost one. Looking right along. Um, with a few games left here uh, in control of the conference as of now, this is a pretty good season. Yeah, it is. It's been a great season for us. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a joy to coach this team. And I know a lot of people always say that every time they have a team, it's having a good <laughs> season. But uh, really has it's been a lot of fun we have really really improved as the season wore on uh, and uh, i was just talking with our team uh, a couple of days ago just about our first scrimmage of the year back in the first part of november and, and uh how different we are now compared to then it's uh I mean, we've really improved and are, are very well did you expect this i mean did you expect to be in a position where um you'd be on top of the conference this season, or was this kind of a retooling year? Well, I didn't really know for sure how it would go. I knew we were pretty good in the post. I knew our four or five men were going to be good. I was hoping that we'd be very solid at Thomas Fly's Cup at the at the two spot for us. And I, I knew those three guys would have good years for us, but uh, our point guard play has been really good. Uh, we got great leadership there. Uh, even though we don't score a whole lot of points out of that that spot, we've had great leadership and good defense at that spot. But probably the guy the biggest difference was just uh, 
a junior that we had this year we didn't have last year that kid by the name of David Jeffries and and uh, he's just been a, a real uh, a change of pace for our team a little bit. He's an excellent defender. Uh, you know, he takes on everybody's best player. Um, he's fast and he just does some of the things that uh, the rest of our guys don't do and has, has made our made our team a little bit better, a little bit more explosive. And then uh, some of the other guys have come along. And, you know, we have a sophomore by the name of Connor Winkleman who's just really played well in the last few games and got us going. And, uh, and it always helps to have players in your league on your team. And Kennedy Gray, who's been all-conference the last two years and for sure will be this year also. And when you got a four-man that can step out and shoot it and be good around the basket, he's a plus defender. All those things work out, and here we are. Well, it certainly worked out for you guys. Uh, again, starting the season 8-1 and one since. Uh, the one lone, lone loss to Dubuque, um, who was sitting in the middle of the conference at 8-11 and 6-6. and, six and six. Um, You've gotten two wins over Simpson in the span of about a week and a half or so due to a makeup, due to weather. Uh, the first one was high scoring, 189. The second one was 70 to 60. Do we read into anything there, or is that just circumstances? Yeah, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> I know that I know this. It's the first time that we played them. I, I thought that uh, I thought they worked us uh, on their offensive mm-hmm. end. I, I didn't think we played very well defensively. I, I don't know if it was that we didn't play very well. I just thought our scheme wasn't very good, and so we changed things up a little bit coming into this game. And, and uh, it seemed to work a little bit, and and you know they guarded us much better also, and, and it was a tough game. I mean, it came down the last five minutes where we had to, uh, you know, take a one point lead and extend it out to ten to finish. And uh, our guy a really nice job down the stretch. I think in the last uh, in the last nineteen possessions, I think they got two baskets, and so just a, an excellent defensive uh, job down the stretch of the game. Um. What's interesting, too, is the fact that um, you, you seem to be in control of what's going on in the conference, whereas, you know, you did lose in Nebraska Wesley at the beginning of the season. Um, you avenged that with a win two games ago. Um, yes, you lost to Dubuque, but you already had a win against them. Um, you, you seem to be able to you're, – you're almost more in control with just that one loss with Loris Coe, Central, and not necessarily the top of the conference. You're playing kind of the bottom – but with that in mind, do you have to keep the guys focused? No, no, I don't. I mean, these guys are great. Uh, just during a meeting today, they were phenomenal. I mean, they're they're on top of it. Um, you know, they're looking forward to the next game. You know, Loris is behind us in the conference That's race, true, and, yeah. and uh, so there's Loris has got a great basketball team. I mean, they they really have a nice group of players, young players that are going to be really good for a long time. And uh, so they got some nice athletes and, and uh, we'll have to be, we'll have to play our best game to win this game or one of the best games of the year uh, to win this. But, but I think that one of the things that really has helped us, we were six and six at at Christmas time, but Mm -hmm. we, we had played three of the top seven teams in the country at that point. Yes. And, uh, you know, we played Wisconsin-Eau Claire at home, who would, at that point was in seven and top five in the country and, you know, lost, you know, one possession game to them. Then we went out to Whitworth and Whitman and played the gauntlet out there. And, and uh, you know, Whitworth, you know, we lost Whitworth by about 10 and, and Whitman by about 10. But Whitman probably worked just a little bit more than, than what we 
but uh, you know they got a really nice team. But I think we we learned a lot about ourselves and and uh, a great chance for us to be together as a team out there in Washington. And uh, we came back. You know, we had a week off once we got back uh, before everything started. We had a great week of practice. We got lots of games, and uh, you put that all together, and here we are. Um, here you are with four seniors. Uh, Kennedy, uh, is it Dre? Yep. Leading the team, one of your seniors. Nearly 17 points a game, 10.5 rebounds a game, nothing like having a double-double. 2.2 assists on top of the game. Then you have two juniors and David Jeffries and Thomas Wisecup, both at 13.2 points a game, 14.7, or 4.7, 3.2 rebounds a game. Uh, and then Sean Morgan, another senior, 9.5 points and 6.2 rebounds. Leading assist guy, by the way, is Wisecup at 3.7. You also have another senior in Paul Gallagher at a game. Gallagher's got about six points. You got a lot of different guys doing a lot of different things. You don't have one guy who's necessarily the top assist guy. You don't have one guy besides maybe Dre, who's your top points getter. And he's certainly getting a lot of rebounds, but you've got two, three, four other guys who get their fair share as well. You got a lot of depth. Yeah, we do. We we got a group of guys that are pretty good and very consistent. Um, and, you know, and there's even more guys who have done a nice job uh, just coming off the bench doing their job when they're called upon. But Thomas Weisscup is just one of the more well-rounded players in our conference, uh, one of the top two or three in assists, and uh, you know maybe top 12, 15 players in scoring, you know, shooting it in the league play about you know, maybe 47% from the arc. So he, he had some big shots for us last night coming down the stretch. And, and uh, you know, when I was at the Final Four, Last year, mm-hmm. you know, as the committee chair, nobody in the Final Four had one player that averaged more than 15 points a game. Yep. And uh, I think if you really want to win, I think you can't just depend on one person. And uh, I think you got to have a group of guys, got to have a, a colony of people that uh, that can get the job done ways. And and uh, you know, our point, our backup point guard last night had 19 points. Uh, Ed Simpson, and so he came up big for us, and and uh, yeah, that's what it takes. It takes a whole whole group of guys uh, to get it done, and you can't just depend on one or maybe even two people. What's it like to play in a larger conference now that Nebraska? You obviously played Nebraska Wesleyan to start last season, so you're used to it, and you're actually that's one of the closer trips for them. Uh, is you guys, um, and thus for you, it's not abnormal. Uh, a trip, but what's it like to have two more games to, to A, not worry about scheduling, but B, to, to focus on in conference? Well, easily the worst part of my job is scheduling. I mean, there's <laughs> nothing worse than scheduling, and I mean that completely. I I hate scheduling. Yeah. And so having Nebraska Wesleyan in the league is uh, is really good. It makes it nine games instead of 11. And, uh, but uh, on the other hand, you don't necessarily want them either because they've got a really nice team. And yeah. they've got they got some good young players that are going to be good for a long period of time. And uh, so they're not going away anytime soon. But it is nice to have them in the league. Uh, they're going to do a good job. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to playing them down the, you know, down the next few years. You going to hold on to this two-game lead with four to play and make sure that this tournament comes through your gym? You know, uh, I really haven't thought about it too much, and, and I know you're probably saying, "Well, that's not true." I, I really haven't. I've been <laughs> preaching to the guys about going one game at a time, and even my ra- our radio guy was asking me that. And you know, it doesn't 
think about it a little bit, but I'm going to tell you, you start looking at the end, and this this will eat you up. I mean, it's a it's a tough gig to go out there and play well every single game. Um, you know, everybody, every team has something on the line, whether it's third place, fourth place, sixth place, Man. first place, whatever it is. So it's always going to be different. And uh, so we're just trying to uh, get ready for Loris tomorrow, and uh, then and then play Loris. Uh, but you know, I believe in my team. I think we'll play well. Um, I'm not going to guarantee we're going to win, win the games, but I, I think we'll come ready to play. Uh, we have we have defended well all year, or at least attempted to all year, and uh, you know I really like my guys, and uh, so I'm confident in them. Uh, but uh, I know how good Loris is, and uh, you know I think what you let's see, yeah, we play at Central and at Wartburg down the last two games of the year, and those two teams were to win the league this year, so they're not weak either. And uh, so it'll be a battle all the way down the stretch. Um, do you know? Have you checked to see if there's a former men's basketball committee chair clause that allows his team into the tournament the next year? You know, I, I tell you <laughs> what, if there isn't, we need to start putting it in there. That's what I know. <laughs> We'd uh, love to get in there. I know. you got to probably have to go out there and, and win the AQ, though I am, I am, I should, well, I'd say that, go check your... Uh, SOS at least by our math and see what what you've got going but um yeah, 548 isn't bad but you're obviously in a very tough region with Whitman and Whitworth and Claremont Mud Scripps uh St. Thomas and others who have certainly good records St. John's and the Mayak um you actually as you mentioned you went out and played Whitworth and Whitman um we don't get a chance to talk to a lot of teams that do that uh, on this show on, on any given season you lost to both Whitman's obviously clicking right along. Whitworth not looking as strong as they have in the past. But what your what was your take? Granted, in late December, on mm-hmm. on those two teams. Yeah, well, they're they're both different. Uh, Whitworth, I, I think, is is an excellent team. I think they're well coached. I think Matt does a great job with their team, and uh, point guard play is tremendous. Uh, they probably aren't as deep, uh, but Whitman. Um, they are they are a plus team. Uh, they got some dudes there that can really play basketball. They can really shoot it. Uh, they got good athletes. Hard. When uh, Austin Butler, I think, is as good a defender as I've ever seen in my 21 years. I mean, he's like six one or two. He can really guard. And uh, you know, and then they have a bunch of guys who can make threes. You know, in my experience is, and I would tell Eric this because Eric is a friend of mine. Typically, you got to have something get you got to get some work done around the basket for some easy baskets. Yeah, and if they can get that, uh, man, they're going to be tough to beat. Because mm. if they get a little work done around the basket, I think there's a good chance we'll see them in Salem. Interesting. Uh, but but if they don't on the basket. You know that three-point shot gets a little tougher the deeper you go in the tournament. Sure. And uh, but uh, I believe in Whitman. I think they're going to be they're going to be awfully good. And uh, their toughest game to get there maybe Matt and uh, yeah. and the Whitworth Pirates. I mean, they, I'm sure they'll have them again probably for the fourth time in the national yeah. tournament. And uh, that'll be uh, that's always difficult. So, of course, uh, you know, obviously, you know, they've beaten them. Twice already, the second time a little bit more easier than the first. Um, 
And you're right. They'll probably play them in the conference tournament. And if they finish there, they'll probably both be in the tournament. And then they got to play them in the national tournament. Wouldn't you love to have 64 teams uh, and, and, and a full bracket to put together instead of having two buys, sir? Oh, absolutely, man. That'd be great. I mean, you know, it's it's just better for our Division Three yeah. comrades, you know. It's, yep. But, um, yeah, that'll be fun for Evan and, and the group to uh, be able to put yeah. together a full bracket. And has Kevin but, uh, has Kevin called you yet to say, hey, hey, whose bright idea was this? <laughs> I'm afraid he has. Yes. So, so yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked a couple different times to see how it was going. But, you know, it's no different. You know, last year Mike DeWitt would call me a couple different times to see how it was going, and Jeff Burns, and uh, it's uh, it's a whole community of people yeah. who've uh, always got a lot of questions and uh, what do you think about this. And uh, But, uh, you know, this group will do a, will do a really good job and gather the best tournament that we can possibly have. And, you know, with – you know, with the mileage and all that kind of stuff, that makes it always just a little bit tougher. But uh, I think they'll be able to put together a really good tournament. Uh, I know when I talked to Mike um, when the year after, I, I asked him how he was enjoying his time. He said he was having trouble not turning on uh, West Coast games to watch teams that he you know wanted to keep an eye on as a committee chair. He said he had trouble not doing that, and so he was still catching himself up late at night, looking at games, watching games and stuff that had nothing to do with anything. Uh, how have you from, from having to be in trouble of, or in charge of everything to having absolutely no responsibilities on the national level? You know, we had a three-hour and 15-minute bus ride last night from Simpson, yeah. and I probably spent an hour and a half of that going through all the teams who I thought might be in the tournament and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so what Mike said is exactly right. I mean, I'm, I'm checking out Claremont. Uh, I'm checking out, you know, how Eric and, and Matt are doing out there at Whitman and Whitworth, and I was checking to see uh, – because you know, Mike and I were actually texting each other during the day yesterday because I knew he had a big game against Denison. And, yeah. and uh, so I was checking out to see how he did, and you know he got a good win. And, yep. and uh, you know, so there's a lot of different – not only was being a part of that committee it's such a great thing, but, you know, you have so many more friends when the four years is over. <laughs> and uh, that that's, that's the fun part of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Tim Fitzpatrick's on the committee, so I'm always checking to see how coach sure. – you know, you put that all together, and yeah, you can spend a lot of time trying to <laughs> figure out, uh, you know, who's going to get in the tournament, who's not. We'll have to have you on as as our uh, expert picker on on the Sunday show. Uh, there you go. To, to have you give us your expert opinion on who's in and who's out. Actually, there's an idea. Maybe get a couple former committee chairs to to join me, and we'll do we'll hash it out ourselves. I just can't provide the same data. Well, I can provide the same data. I just can't provide it on the cool de- device that the NCA provides for you. I, I don't have That's access right. to that unless you still, you know, you put Burns and I together out oh. there and uh, we'll have the time of our lives together. Honestly, I'll just so. let you and Burns run during the show and listen <laughs> and just say, okay, they made a pick. No, they didn't. Darn it. <laughs> uh, um, well, Brian, I really appreciate you coming on the show as always. Love chatting with you. Um, really great to see that the, the Buena Vista Beavers are on top of the conversation in the IAAC. Uh, still, obviously, some games left to go, but uh, looking forward to seeing how the conference takes out. Really, be cool if you guys made the tournament as well. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you in Salem, no matter what. Um, for the, what is it, the honorary chairman, uh, former chairman jobs at whatever gets divvied out to all you guys. 
Um, yeah, I'm going to have to start thinking about whether I'm going to make that trip or I think not. You should. But, uh, I think you should yeah, book it now, should. no matter what. And just why yeah, not? you're probably right. Can't hurt. You're probably uh, right. All, hey, you, go. you got no pressure this time. That's uh, right. Um, right. As always, we give the, the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Well, I'm just uh, glad that we get a lot of people to uh, tune into this show. Uh, Dave, you do a great job with it, as always. And, uh, you know, our listeners is awesome this year. I mean, I think we have eight teams that are, are very good. Eight or, excuse me, nine teams now. We have nine teams that are good. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's a war out there every single night. And, and, you know, I don't know if we have any great teams in our conference, uh, but I think we have uh, we have a handful of teams that are rich and uh, it makes for a lot of fun. And uh, looking forward to seeing how the, how the end of the year finishes out. Yeah, definitely. By the way, I forgot to mention, I saw three uh, Las Vegas guys on there. David Jeffries, a junior, and then two freshmen. You should come to the hoops, the D3Hoops.com Classic in Las Vegas. Give them a chance for home games. I'm just saying. Yeah, just saying. I know. I know. You're right. And you know, Next year, I should go into California play oh. Rich Reed and his team at Laverne. And so oh. I, I'm trying to do that to uh, help out some of those guys. But uh, we'll get there. I promise. You should. All right. Hey, okay. sir, thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, I know. And good luck the rest of the season. Okay. That was, sounds good. Thanks, awesome. Dave. Take care, Brian. Van Hafton joining us on the uh, City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. City of Salem, of course, the host of the Division Three Men's Basketball Championship weekend. Uh, we look forward to going out there once again for our 17th consecutive trip. By the way, bids, uh, if you're curious, have entered the hands of the committees. The committees now have those. I have done my not-so-subtle attempt to find out who those finalist bids may be, and I've gotten nowhere so far. They've got till mid-February to make a decision, basically, and then March, I believe, to finalize that decision. Actually, I have an email uh, that has that information on it that doesn't need to be hidden. Just give me a second here, and hopefully I can find it real quick. Um, and then in we will not, but we won't know who the... Um, the bids are going to, I should say, until or the the bid April uh, is when that'll happen. Hold on a quick second. Here we go. So the bid materials are in the hands of the sports committees, and this is across the board in sports. Uh, February sixteenth, finalist recommendations due from the committees for internal use only. So the sixteenth, the, the recommendations are sent uh, to the NCA, and then March first, the final recommendation is due. So they they send their recommendations to the NCA on the 16th, and then they've got a couple more weeks to make final decisions by March 1. Then April 18th, a site selection announcement will take place. So we got a little time to wait, but at least the committees have those finalists. I don't know exactly what's going on, but we'll certainly keep an eye out uh, on who may be those bids and who not might not be. Coming up next, we uh, talk to the current men's committee chair, Kevin Vandestreek, head coach at Calvin. Talk how the first mock selections uh, went this past week, uh, this past, you know, just literally on Wednesday, and how the ne- what we can expect to see on the first regional rankings next week. Uh, Kevin joins me here on the Hoopsville Hotline. It is a pre-taped segment, uh, so we don't can't take any live questions for Kevin this time. So you will get a, a quite a bit of information from Kevin. We even talk a little bit about his team and the race for the MIA. But remember, we talked before his game against Albion, but he makes an interesting point about that game ahead of time that you should tune into but that's coming up you're listening to hoopsville excuse me presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca nabc studios Kevin van streak of calvin men's basketball committee chair coming up next for the love of the game that's what it's all about they say but for those of us who are division three student athletes 
It's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. I used to never really talk, ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to go off with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. The Hoopsville Marathon. Hope you are enjoying this one. We have certainly gotten a lot of our belt. Still got a little bit more to go, including the Hoopsville Happy Hour. If you have not experienced the happy hour during this marathon, it's worth tuning into. Um, at that point, I'm clearly punchy, and uh, we get a bunch of people talking Division Three basketball. You never know what the answers may be. Um, so make sure you tune in. That's usually in the last hour. We'll good friend James Wagner, uh, as long as uh, his health uh, allows. And we'll have kind of a, a around the nation chat with Wags quick and then go on from there. Uh, if you do have questions for a Hoopsville mailbag that we may cover in the uh, happy hour segment, make sure you uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also tweet us, hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, you can join us on Facebook where we're simulcasting this show, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And of course, if you're listening to this uh, on the podcasts uh, or you are getting the opportunity to watch it on demand, we appreciate you taking the time and those emails you send us. We'll make sure to get on at a later time. And when uh, a little later in the show, we'll do of the Hoopsville um, fundraising project, which is clicking along. We hope to accomplish a lot of our goal here today on this marathon, but it still runs through the end of the regular season. One of the features of the marathon has been the chance to talk to uh, the committee chairs when we get the opportunity. Rankings, believe it or not, we time this marathon to be kind of where when the rankings are going to be released. So it's kind of the real kickoff to the final month. Rankings will come out in less than a week, the first rankings of the year. Gives us a first chance to sense the waters from the NCAA's point of view of who may be in the tournament, who may be in danger of being out, and where some of the challenges that the committee may face come Selection Sunday will pop up. We can probably already start to guesstimate those, but without actual regional rankings in front of us, it's hard to do. So we like talking to the committee chairs to gauge where, what the temperature in the water is, as I said. And joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is the Calvin head coach, Kevin Vanderstreek. He is uh, the committee chair for the men this year. Kevin, thanks for coming back to Hoopsville, sir. You bet. Thanks for having me. Two quick notes. We talked to Kevin at the beginning of the season. It's also been a tradition of this. Uh, and we are pre-taping this. Uh, uh, that way we can kind of keep the thoughts fresher in both of our minds uh, versus 
show uh, during the day while Kevin's certainly doing some other things. So, Kevin, I, t- I appreciate you finding time to join us. First and foremost, we should mention you have just gotten done as a committee doing your first mock um, rankings, as it were, as you prepare for next week. How did everything go? Well, my brain's a little mushy. <laughs> but, well, you know, it's it's really fun to get going and start thinking about, you know, not only the the – rack that I chair in a little more depth, but then looking around the country and trying to dig in that deep with everyone. So our first call was uh, just short of three hours on the national call. Wow. It's a lot of number, a lot of discussion, but it's some philosophy, you know, and some trying to establish some guidelines and some of those kind of things. So, um, but it's been really fun to get going. We'll get into a lot of the details, obviously. Um, this means also that the regional committees have gone through and done their mocks time as well. Um, and obviously there's new people on these committees. There's even new people in charge of committees. As obviously um, people like Van Haften, who stepped off in the West, has someone who has replaced him, um, etc. How is How has been the effort to get everybody almost on the same page? I realize that's not easy to do in a mock, but how has how's the transition gone from last year to this year so far? Yeah, I think it's gone well. You know, we've had a lot of communication um, with the new people, and um, it's just a lot of questions to ask, and how does Iraq, you know, conference call go, and what is it that we're looking for, and how do we decipher some of this kind of stuff, and you know, it's like most things. You can talk about it all you want, but uh, until you actually do it once, um, you know, you're probably not where you want to be. And so having gone through both a RAC call and now a national call, I think our our new guys are doing great, and they'll only be better with a, with another day of experience. And, and obviously we should point out this isn't like it's the first time you guys have chatted. Technically this has been ongoing since last year um, as the old committee kind of got together and rehashed the season and and thought of ways they could do better or things they'd like to change and then obviously the new members come on you start talking is is september so it's not like this week is the first time you're like hey let's chat about regional rankings uh how much work does go in up until this point yeah there's some you know you're exactly right we meet in june we then start talking a little in september and october we have all the all the rack together um, on one big training call, and we have a follow-up call, you know, with the national committee. Uh, we discuss bids with the national committee for future years, some of those types of things. So, um, you know, there's some calls here and there, but nothing like you know what begins this week. You know? So, you know, everyone will spend an hour or two in preparation for their rack call, and the rack call usually lasts about an hour. You know, this morning um, I was in my office before 7 o'clock in preparation for a 10 o'clock national call that lasted, like I said, just short of three hours. And so time that goes in there's no doubt and and but that's what needs to be done we want to do a great job we want to want to select the teams that are deserving to be in and um, we're willing to uh, provide that service plenty of coffee uh, <laughs> plenty of coffee um, so we're anybody's wondering we've never asked and never will ask of, of who ended up where on mock selections we know that there's Sometimes in the mock selections, things that you're just still trying to figure out, and it's it's not fair to anyone. But I am curious how the whole process went to uh, on the on the first mock call, and 
and what challenges you guys may have may be facing already. Yeah, I you know I think Dave the the biggest challenge um, not only this year but every year that I've been on the committee is to be consistent from top of the rankings to bottom of the rankings to uh, one region to the next, you know, and apply our same thought process. I mean, I think first you have to think about what your thought process is. You know, (laughs) at some points, you know, I think we've had people who think, you know, the strength of schedule is king. That trumps everything else. And there have been others who thought, well, the win-loss percentage is is the king. They're the ones that trump everything else. And how do we go about that? How do we... How do we compare strength of schedule with win-loss percent, right? That's a, that's a huge one. And then how do you compare it, you know, the northeast to the west? Mm-hmm. And uh, those are the challenges that we – and I think, um, you know, we're all taking notes as we go through every region, and we're, we, we'll go back and say, well, two regions ago when we talked, here was a decision we made based on this similar criteria. Let's – but if this is the direction we want to go, then let's let's stay with it. I could take a, a recording of Charlie, Dave Martin, um, Mike De, DeWitt, um, Brian Van Haften, yourself, and and get the same answer every year. We realize, and, and while I, I probably don't need to ask the same question, it's always interesting if something else comes up. I do want to ask, obviously all the criteria, is primary criteria, is considered order, like you don't go, okay, this is the first one we consider, this is the second, or there isn't supposed to be a weight. But I always gather that the conversation starts with win-loss percentage and SOS, and if you can make a decision without maybe getting into the minutia from that point of view, you do. It doesn't mean it isn't considered, but that appears to be the starting point. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I think that's, at least for me, when I'm preparing for my rack call, those are the things that I'm looking at first. And, um, you know, if there's someone has high numbers in both of them, you know, that's kind of the direction you go. And then you proceed from there. And I I think the reason why you look at those, it it takes the complete body of work, Mm -hmm. right? So right now, teams, most of them have been around the 18 to 20 game mark, where if you look at a head-to-head first, that's one game, you know, and someone... Not that the head-to-head isn't important, but to me that kind of comes after the win-loss, strength of schedule. Um, The same with common opponents. That can be sometimes a little bit bigger, but if you're looking at someone who's 2-1 versus common opponents, who's 3-0, sometimes that can be the difference. When you get to the very end, that might be the difference. But early on, I think we're looking bigger picture first. The other thing that's interesting is we talk about the comparison between SOS and win-loss, and I know a number of years ago, Jeff Burns may have been the first one, and I could be wrong. You may have mentioned it before. Somebody may have mentioned it before that, of this .03 difference in SOS being comparable to about two games, and we will talk about what this means in nauseam between now and Selection Sunday, but my point being that I think around Jeff Burns' time, he said, listen, we know, we, we've know we been told by stats that's a good number, but stats doesn't really like going out on a limb and saying .06 equals 4 and .09 equals 6 and so on, so there's no direct line. However, last year, I think there was a sense that the committee was thinking there was a direct line, that it wasn't much of a bell curve. 
and I realize it goes by committee to committee. This year, are you guys leaning? Are you leaning on that direct line as we get further and further out? Or do you lose confidence that that 0.03 equaling 2 truly is that as you get further away in numbers? I would say the 0.03 in two games is pretty firm. The 0.06 in four games is still looked at pretty favorably. And beyond that, probably not so much. Um, then we would look into, uh, I think you and I have talked about this before, sometimes we think there's like fake win-loss percent or yeah. fake strength of schedule where you have to really look at who is it that they've played and who is it that they beat and, you know, those types of things. Was the real reason the SOS is high? Exactly, right. But, you know, you need to have some type of comparison so that they they read with your brain a little bit to, to try to come together a little bit. And, and, again, those aren't exact scientific numbers. I'm not sure that that is mathematically correct in all 100% of cases. But sure. we have looked at it in June um, a couple of and have really come to the conclusion that it's that it's pretty accurate. So it gives us a good place to start. Yeah, the .03 to two games is certainly an interesting number. And point oh, but to hear .06 to four it starts to get fuzzy. But then point oh, you know, nine to to six mm-hmm. is definitely fuzzy. Is at least good for us to understand that maybe a team like last year's Lester Bible is going to still be in the conversation, possibly. Uh, there are certainly going to be teams like this year. Uh, I mean, I know I've looked through some SOS numbers and been surprised by a team like Denison, who's only got two losses, but their SOS is is, is significantly below 500, shockingly enough. And so, you know, I, I can see scenarios where at least it looks like they'll, they'll remain in the conversation instead of just being eliminated immediately. Um, I want to go back to something that, we, that we've talked about per the SOS, though, in the past. And you've talked about the fact that you went to the NCAA and said to them about the SOS, are we absolutely positive that the multiplier is being utilized in the correct way through the math, the, the mathematics? Um, I'm trying to keep from on this show going into inside politics and inside baseball on this a little bit, but the idea of how they specifically use the multiplier has been questioned. I know that that, that you talk to stats what was the general conversation like, and what was the ultimate answer? Right. Well, the basketball people feel that there is an advantage to winning on the road, or maybe I should say it's more difficult to win on the road than it is at home, and so therefore there should be something that tries to give us a numerical value to some of those things. Sure. And so... Um, the, the multiplier, however, what we found out with some changes in how we've done things in the last couple of years, isn't really doing what it was intended to do or what it did at one time. And so the stats people went back to figure out, and, and yes, that was true. And so they're looking into, we're still keeping it at this point, even though it probably doesn't... Um, get to the full value of that uh it does somewhat help in that regard and they're still working and hopefully uh, a full implementation would be for next year um 
is it safe to say from what I've understood of how this multiplier currently is being math put together by the NCA that it really depends on what your schedule is like in terms of how many road games and how many home games right now that if you're even, let's say you've played 20 games, you play 10 at home, 10, in, 10 on the road, that the SOS is, is accidentally wiped out. Or not the SOS, uh, the, the multiplier is accidentally wiped out to some degree. Um, granted, it depends on the opponents, and that's where it just gets tricky. Um, but if you play more of your road games than your home games, that's where the SOS kind of, the multiplier starts to, to add a little bit more influence again. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. In 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 all honesty, that's probably a better scenario than the other way around because, you know, if you are fortunate enough to be able to schedule 10 and 10, then, you know, that's wonderful. Right. Um, that's not the case with everyone, certainly. And, um, you know, you don't want a team, and I don't know if there's anyone out there, but you don't want someone to be able to schedule 16 home games and four away and all of a sudden things look so much better and someone else six away or six home games and 14 road games so yeah and, and you certainly don't want to over punish or over reward either right yes exactly um to the flip side of that because they say the s the the, the multiplier isn't 100 percent um are you are you i hate to i'm trying to find the right turn not are you confident that the number is still a fair representation of a school's sos this season Yes, yes, I think we are. Um, we've it's kind of been this way for a couple of years already. So we are relying on that, and and again, sometimes the numbers come out, you know, a big SOS, a big win loss percent, and it's a no brainer for where they're at. But as we get closer, and on that final selection Sunday, you know, you get to those last half a dozen, uh, you know, you're as deep as humanly possible you know i don't think we've ever chosen anyone based on the coach's shoe size but we probably know it <laughs> when the time comes that'd be an interesting criteria i'd have to start looking into that myself uh great add one more layer to my sunday show um curious though uh, obviously the sos could fluctuate and again it depends on teams and we it's not a straight across the board thing that we know it's off by x amount it depends on schedules depends on opponents depends on home and away there's so many factors involved here they've admitted there needs to be a change and it sounds like they're going to change back to the way it was originally math uh mapped out what's the reason they couldn't change it for you now well i my understanding is that they would want to have it available for all sports. Uh, they'd want it available from the beginning of the season, uh, et cetera. That's, that's really all I know. Sounds like maybe because we're not the only one. Men's basketball is not the only one who uses this multiplier. There are other sports that use it. It sounds like because they've used it, they just want to keep even everything even at this point and then start the next year with everything adjusted. Yeah, okay. that, that would be right. Um, question because you know the SOS isn't maybe fully perfect, and and what I and I don't want to say it's not perfect. It's just multiplying in a certain way, and as you said, you're not getting the full value necessarily, maybe of that other math. Do you lean away maybe from the SOS as much as you used to? Um, 
I've always gathered that you're maybe not necessarily sold on the SOS in the first place as being one of the primary, you know, that stronger criteria. But do you maybe lean away from it because you got yeah, my, that number could be slightly different? Or are you going to stay with the same confidence you did in the last couple of years? We're going to stay with the same confidence that we've had. You know, we're, we're looking at, you know, probably five things, primary criteria, some some secondary things if if we need to go there. And then again, like I said, we get to that last Sunday, we're going, you know, to try to find anything that we can to sort through and, and make the the best and most informed decision we can make. So what challenges have already, what, what kind of, are they really number three, number four type uh, scenarios? And you don't have to name teams necessarily, but if unless you want to, but is there anyone out there that you're like, you already know this week, but that by the end of the season, these certain particular teams, and I'll mention Lancaster Bible was an example of last year, were the ones we knew from the get-go were going to be the ones that were going to be the heavily watched and probably the most challenging for you. Yeah, there's a couple of those for sure. And those are the ones you got to, try to keep your eye on as close as you can. You know, now most teams are non-conference are finished. And so the big conference games that they played or have they played, you know, some other teams that are, that will be ranked in the region type of thing. Um, so those are the, that's the big challenge. The ones with one or the other SOS or win loss that are really high and the other much lower. And then I think the other is, groupings you know you get three teams and and this one's beat that one and that one's beat mm. the other one and they're one game difference in the win loss and there's a uh, a point zero zero five difference yeah. in the strength of schedule and um you know at this point we tried to go more um I don't know, bigger picture, I guess you would say. And as we get more information and as teams play more, um, we'll be able to dig a little deeper and, and peel that onion back just a little bit further. Another one, I think even in your region, you have two of them that I know I've picked out already. We mentioned the Denison one already, really good record, but a surprisingly low SOS. And then you turn around, you have a John Carroll. Um, of course, I, I go to mention them and then forget what uh, their SOS was uh, in my head. Uh, this is, of course, not official numbers, folks. These are coming from our math guy, Night Slappy, as we call him, my, my, uh, Matt Snyder. John Carroll's SOS. Yeah, they're almost a six. Yeah, they're a so. huge SOS with a yeah. lot of losses. They're a 667 win percentage, and they've lost a lot to teams that could be ranked but with lower SOS numbers. So you got one heck of a balancing act to go in, just in your region of the Great Lakes. Right. That's that's my region. And we, we spent the time on Tuesday talking about those teams in particular. Uh, today on the national call, we spent a lot of time talking about those things. And, you know, you just kind of hope that there's something else then that comes through, you know, a record versus a common opponent or a head-to-head or, you know, some of those types of things. And really what you're trying to figure out is if, if Denison played John Carroll's schedule, would they be 17-2? and two? And if, if uh, John Carroll played Denison's schedule, would they be 17-2? and two? And, you know, it's really difficult. I, I've looked at us from, my own, from our own team at Calvin example you know we we had a good road win at Carthage who's having a really nice year and and um, you know their strength of schedule is much better than ours Uh, they have a couple more wins but the win loss isn't too much different 
Um, you know, if the, if we were in the same region or if we were up on the board on a Sunday, you know, how do you go to that? And I mean, I have my own thoughts, but obviously there are, you know, seven other committee members and we, <laughs> we talk through it as best we can and, and get to a consensus. Uh, and, you know, John, Car- I mentioned John Carroll again. I mean, it's a gaudy SOS number, but they have lost to almost everybody who would possibly be ranked either behind them or ahead of them in the sense of hope. Uh, uh, Marietta, Ohio Northern, Hanover, and Mount St. Joseph. Uh, it's Marietta twice. It's John Carroll is going to be the the trick one to be sure in your own region. And again, I'm not going to ask you what you guys did. We'll find out what you do next week, and that's so be it. Um, one other quick question about uh, kind of everything going on. Two quick questions. First off, uh, in the past, I know they they dabbled with the hey everybody go vote. Um, and you don't really know how the vote's going to turn out. And the National Committee couldn't change the vote. I think that lasted a year. Now they went back and said, now the National Committee can go and make changes on a, on a weekly basis, I think. Um, I think the old way was only on the, on the last one. Where, where do we sit here? When everybody votes regionally, they can obviously vote how they wish because it's, it's on a computer system. Um, as a committee, as a regional committee chair, do you want to know how everybody voted and their reasons behind it? Let's start with that. Well, we do. We we do find out what the votes, not necessarily what person voted where or anything, but we'll know if there are six RAC members, for example, if the vote was six zero or four two or something like that. We'll we'll know that, and I don't know if that's. Um, it is I, I don't know to what extent it's helpful, because if there's a question, we are going to look at it from a national standpoint. Um, you know, we firmly believe in the rack and the efforts that they put in and what they do. And usually when there's a change, it's because one rack might be thinking this way and then we've made these other decisions other racks are looked at it the other way and attempts to keep it consistent that's really the the changes that have been made as a as a rack chair yourself and we should mention everybody on the national committee is a chair of their rack do you want and i think i've heard other rack chairs say this and some not uh, say that hey i want to know how you voted and i want to know your reasoning behind your votes so that when i go to the national committee i can say well, this is why this committee voted this way. I've got so and so, not maybe not so and so, but I got a, Coach A saying this is why, and I got Coach B saying this is why. Instead of going in there basically with just a vote and not really knowing why that ultimate vote was made. Yeah, absolutely. We would want to discuss it certainly. Um, you know, I start my rack. I go around to each person and ask them to give me their top nine teams in order and try to explain why that is a little bit. And then we'll go around and, you know, we might start by saying, well, everybody had this school as number one and they're looking pretty clearly like they're better in the win-loss and the SOS. So um, let's move on to the next two. Now, why do you have it this way and why do you have it that way? And we really try to talk through it in an attempt to get to a consensus or even a unanimous vote. Uh, but sometimes, and we had this yesterday on my rack, uh, I said, all right, it seems we're, we're a little bit split. I want to go around and take a vote. Uh, and we had four guys vote one way and two the other. And I said, now, you can go vote. Uh, however you would like. If you want to have it unanimous, we can. 
but I'm going to bring it up on the national committee anyway to get their input when there's hmm. um, some, you know, different points of view. Sure. Okay. That's fascinating. Um, on the on the national side of things, we've heard over the years how the national committee is done is always focused on what's best for the division, what's best for the make selections. And obviously, this is maybe a better geared question for Sunday, but we're 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 we're, we're testing the water a little bit, you know, and that that the committee doesn't necessarily and i don't want people to misconstrue this they're not fighting for the region in the sense that they're not sitting there and putting their fist down going no so and so will be it um they certainly fight for the but they don't overly they understand the grand scheme of things this committee that you've already got so far what's the on understanding the bigger picture and not just being a, a staunch advocate for only their region and that it will never be any other way yeah, I think it's been great um, so far. I think we're trying, again, across the board to get the best teams in. That's the bottom line. And certainly we know our region better than others. That's you know, goes without saying. But I also think, you know, I, I always chuckle at when someone says the eye test, right? I mean, Mark, <laughs> Hollis, Mark Hollis, who's the chair of the Division One committee, is the yep. AD at MSU and, and is doing a great job. But I heard some news broadcast the other day saying, was going to fly to a mid-american conference game you know and so he could see him up close you know and i'm thinking to myself i need to see a team six seven times if we're gonna if my team is going to play him before i really know what they're like yeah. right i mean i'll surf i will i will look you know on a if we're home and uh, look on your website and try to find some games and watch a little bit here or there, and you might see a team make four in a row, and you're like, wow, they're really good. <laughs> and the next morning you find out they lost by 20. Yeah. You know, so the eye test to me is just not valid, certainly not for Division Three. And so we really need to rely on the numbers and, and as much as we can. And yet understanding there's a human element to it. Not every case is the same. And, um, you know, like we said, the Lancaster Bibles and some of those types of things, you, you just got to talk about as much as you can. Uh, before we let you talk about this forever, and but we don't have that kind of time. Um, but before we let you go, one thing that is interesting about the committee this year is technically uh, it is supposed to be a minimum of four administrators. So that's four administrators, four coaches. This year's committee by all definitions, is five administrators and three coaches, the coaches being George Barber of uh, Greenville, yourself of Calvin, and, and Jared Samples of the University of Dallas being uh, the three basketball coaches. The argument could be made that Bob Yorkland of Bethel, being a former coach, could make this a 4-4, but people will point at the fact that there's technically five administrators not as many coaches. And by the way, the rule is you can't have more coaches than administrators. That's why the 4-4 is the max we could get. Do you, are you concerned of that image that, 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 the, that people will look at this and go, come on, we've got five administrators. There's not enough coaches on here to understand. Or with Bob's appearance on the committee, that maybe that is not as big a concern. Well, I don't think it's a concern, be, not only because of Bob, but um, Ken Tyler at uh, Mary Washington was a was a head coach for yeah. for twelve That's years, true. ten years, something like that. He's been on the Division Two men's basketball committee. Uh, Tim Fitzpatrick's guard was 
the athletic director at Indiana, basically in charge of men's basketball. That's true. <laughs> so those guys have a lot of basketball, you know, understanding and acumen and uh, bring a lot of that to the table. And that's why I asked the question. Uh, <laughs> that's why I wanted to get that point of view to remind people of the other, other aspects. Uh, like I said, uh, I could ask you a ton of questions before I let you go, though. I do want to quickly talk about your team, uh, 11 and eight on the season, but you're in the fight for the, uh, the conference. You're what a game behind um, hope. I believe in the standings hope uh, two games uh, hopes eight. No, you're six and two. Unfortunately, they've also beaten you already once all is behind you. Surprising season from them uh, with trying and Olivet uh, behind them. I think what many people thought would be a deep conference race has kind of turned into a one or two team show. Uh, how do you expect your team to finish the rest of the way? Well, it's been really interesting. I think it is the most balanced our league has been uh, in my 21 years here. Um, and that's interesting to say when Hope is, is alone at 8-0. and um, But we play uh, Albion here coming up. And um, Albion has two conference wins. And yet at our place, they had the ball with 20 seconds left. One with a chance to win. Just this past Saturday, they were at Hope, led by 11 at half. The game's tied at uh, with five minutes or under five minutes to play, and that's kind of how it's gone. A lot of one possession wins or losses, and so certainly Hope could pull away and, and you know go undefeated in the league. I don't know, but I know they have had a load of wins that have been close and under 10 points, and, and so have we, for that matter. So uh, it'll be an interesting second round, I would say that. And, you know, we just got to keep plugging away and keep trying to win and, uh, you know, see where that takes us at the end. Uh, two on the road, Albion and Olivet, then two at home, Elma and Kalamazoo, before two on the road, Adrian and Hope. Are you? Uh, do you think you guys can take a page out of the women's book from last year and go upset Hope on that final game of the season? <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I'd like to take a lot of pages from our women's <laughs> program. They've uh, they've been awfully good the last few years. So, you know, the the interesting thing about, and I'm sure it's any rivalry game, but certainly it is at Hope and Kelvin. Yeah. Uh, you throw the records out, and I know it's cliche to say, but it is so true. You know, after we lost here at home to them, I got several texts from former players were like, oh, that reminds me of my sophomore year when we lost twice in the regular season and then beat them by 30 in the conference <laughs> tournament final. And, you know, that kind of stuff just happens, you know. And so we're just trying to get better every day and be prepared and give everybody our best shot. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing concludes for you. And I'm also looking forward to seeing how you guys work with the committee. And obviously on Wednesday, our first regional rankings um, I think, I think, and obviously we should point out, by the way, before I let you go, a reminder that you guys have pretty much put everybody at eight, except for the Great Lakes at nine and the Northeast down to 11 in terms of rankings. And that will certainly add a little bit of intrigue this year. Yeah, I, I think it's a really good move. And I, I think it will be helpful uh, when we get to that final selection on Sunday, because we got to the point where we almost threw that category out because it was so imbalanced oh. that I think this will help just one more uh, piece of material to look at. Well, sir, I appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, you've already spent enough time on Tuesday uh, and Wednesday to do this. So to spend an extra uh, 30 some odd minutes with me is certainly appreciative. Um, we look forward to, like I said, to the work ahead. I also look forward to chatting with you both on air and off air between now uh, 
season in Salem. But in the meantime, as you know, I always give the final word to the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Uh, this tune in, watch some games. You know, this is an exciting time. We're heading down the stretch of three weeks left. It, uh, it doesn't get any better than this. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate all you do for Division Three basketball. Coach, appreciate it myself uh, for you appearing too. Good luck, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave. Kevin Vanderstreek, gentlemen, again, the National Men's Basketball Committee chair. Uh, first regional rankings come out on Wednesday. Calvin 11 and 8, but 6 and 2 in the conference. They're still in the mix. It'll be interesting in f- finish to that MIAA. They've got six games to go. Keep in touch with Coach throughout the rest of the regular season when regional rankings come out and any interesting tidbits that they feel they need to, to, to pass on to us, we will pass on to you. And then we will hopefully get them back on here a matchup Monday after the brackets have been announced to talk about the selections. That's all still ahead just in the next month. We're going to take break when we come back still more of the hoopsville marathon to go we'll give you an update on the fundraising campaign and maybe answer some of your questions plus some more guests to come you listen to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca nabc studio more of the marathon when we return i'm a division athlete and i know how powerful words can be the term gay doesn't mean stupid lame or less than so I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. I'm a Division Three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge for others. If you can play, you can play in Division Three. And hey, welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody. The Marathon Show. Clicking along here as we are... Uh, Got about an hour and a half left in it, at least. We tend to go into overtime uh, on this show. Last year we went 14 hours. I don't foresee that. I think that's a little nuts. What we did do a little bit differently last year is, or this year, is we kind of tailed off our guests in this time period. I don't know if that's the right decision or not. Um, We also try to keep some openings in case some people could join us. And so we're a little bit looser now, which is fine. Um, but that's also to keep us from going too far over our 12 hours. Um, some of us have still got to get up in the morning. A couple of updates in case anybody's been following all show, and some people have. God bless you. We have switched to tea. have been drinking coffee, uh, water, still here, um, etc. I have switched a little bit of honey to keep that throat alive. Um, so there you go. So here's what we're going to do here at least for the next half an hour. I'm going to do as my schedule says, vamp. I'm going to talk about a couple topics, answer a couple questions. Then we'll take a break. Coming up, I talked to Duncan Robinson. 
of Michigan, former Williams player, member former D3 fo uh, football, no, D3hoops.com, um, rookie of the year before he transferred to Michigan. He says something fascinating about where he would be now if Coach Maker had not left. Um, that is coming up here in just a little bit. But in the meantime, uh, I have a question that um, is coming up. Um, let's see here. Uh, it is. I had a question that's been sitting, and I want to get to it. Um, excuse me. Um, my wife is cooking up. It smells delicious, but it's made my eyes water. Um, all right, here's the question we got. This one's from Glenn from Heller, Hellerton. And you know what? I, I probably should have put it on a nice graphic. Um, yeah, I guess I could have, but we're just going to read it this time. Delaware Valley, and I believe we're talking men's basketball. Yep, Delaware Valley men's basketball. Lost the Mac uh, Freedom Player of the Year, a four-year starter. Mac Freedom... Um, uh, Rookie of the, uh, oh, another uh, Mac, uh, oh, Mac Freedom, freshman of the year and multi-year all-conference player. Um, so that's two different players. So Mac Freedom, player of the year, Moran, a four-year starter. A Mac freshman uh, of the year, a multi-year all-conference player in Sly. Two-year starter in Brockington and a solid bench player in Gurner. Uh, they lost their coach in mid-May, lost his recruits as well. I don't know. Did they really lose their recruits? Uh, Glenn, I'm not positive of that. They hired the new coach in mid-July, and he obviously had zero time left to recruit. He lost all of his assistant coaches and had a non-league schedule of primarily road games. Although they are 6-3 and three with five conference games left, Dalval is 7-2, and two, uh, although we are. This is a, um, a – I'm not sure what he is. He, he says all – and three, five games conferences left. Dalval is 7-2. They are predicted to come in six by the coaches. Unless Dalval falls apart in the final five games as the new coach, the runaway coach of the year. Maybe, uh, maybe. I want to quickly look at that. Um, basically, he's talking about Dalval and the, and the work Mark's, um, um, Mark Seidenberg has been doing. The team was 20-8 and eight last year. And they are currently 12 and 8, considering they went through a five game losing streak against Hood, Stockton, Moravian, TCNJ, and Newman early in this season. They've only lost two since, or sorry, they lost four, uh, three since. Um, the standings are 7 2. DeSales at 7 2. This must be a DeSales fan at 6 and 3. And actually, in hindsight, I forgot a quite part of this question. He said, I'm a former DeSales player, but I have, have to be honest here. Um, we are a runaway preseason favorite to win the MAC, given that we only lost one. The top nine players from last season added a few impact freshmen and a stud D2 transfer prior to his injury, and then he went into the Del Val stuff. So I kind of jumped the gun a little bit there. Del Val is seven and two, tied for first place in the conference at twelve and eight overall. DeSales six and three, fourteen and six. Misericordia five and four, fourteen and six. I think the Del Val coach probably has a really good shot at the coach of the year. I mean, Eric McNally certainly has also done a good. At, at Eastern, remember they were eleven and fourteen last year, five and nine in the Freedom, and now they're twelve and eight, seven and two, almost identical uh, to Del Val. But yeah, Mark has done a great job. Here's the reason I don't think Del uh, the sales coach Scott Coble will get Coach of the Year because he was picked to finish first. Uh, if you're a coach whose team was picked by coaches to finish first, to not finish first and get Coach of the Year, or even to still finish first and get Coach of the Year if you haven't blown away the conference. Uh, sales could still finish first, but I don't think they blew anybody away. Um, Misericordia at the beginning of the 
definitely started strong, but they faded. They're at 14 and six, five and four. I think they'll, I think Mark's got a chance at, at Del Valley being coach of the year. Absolutely. I don't know about this whole thing about losing all the recruits. Uh, that doesn't sound right to me. Um, looking at the roster, I just want to check. I mean, they've got two freshmen at least on this team and Jonathan Mark and Curry. Um, so, you know, did they lose a lot of them? Maybe they did. I don't, I don't follow recruiting in Division Three, and for good reason. It's too complicated. And unless, until the player has um, put his, down, his deposit down, uh, shown up on campus, started classes, stayed on campus, paid his tuition, um, shown up at practice, then shown up in a jersey and gotten into a game, that's eight things. I don't care. And that's not a cruelty thing. And this includes transfers. I don't care. Um, it's too wide open in Division Three. Too many players we know change their mind. Division Three, there's no commitment. There's no scholarship that says you have to play. So if the player is supposed to be coming and then doesn't, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, we were expecting so-and-so, well, that was your mistake. This is Division Three. So I don't follow recruiting, and on purpose. Also, I've only got so much I can contain up here, and I don't need to add recruiting to the mix. I've added coaching carousel to the mix in the last couple of years, and, and even that's challenging to hold on to. So um, as a result, I don't really know what DelVal's situation was, but they got two freshmen on the team, so I can't imagine they lost recruits. That said, yeah, I think Mark's done an amazing job there. Really has. By the way, Glenn's been watching the show all day, and I appreciate you taking the time, Glenn. Thank you very much. Um, and we hope we didn't ruin your workday too much. Um, so there's my take on Del Val. Speaking of the Mac Freedom Conference, FDU Florham women's basketball coach Mark Mitchell has been indefinitely suspended. The, sh the article was on d3hoops.com um, on Monday, as I predicted after Sunday's show it would be. Um, he is under suspension until an investigation is complete. Um, that investigation is being run by the president of the school. Remember, FDU, Mark Mitchell and FDU Florham won the 2014 championship um, undefeated season. He's at least missed two games. Actually, he may have missed three now that I think about it. Let me double check. Um, I don't know what happened. They won 71-42 over Wilkes. I don't know if he, he that game. Um Pending investigation into allegations of misconduct. Here's what D3 Hoops reported on the front page. Uh, sources indicate Mitchell expressed displeasure via email with Mac Freedom coaches and players at the end of the season when the conference named DelVal's um, Anastasi Player of the Year over FDU Florham Shalette uh, Brown. Sources would not comment on the record. Uh, Anastasi, who was a third-team All-American and Atlantic Region Co-Player of the Year, by the way, led the conference in scoring, free-throw percentage, assisted turnovers, and finished second in assists and steals. Brown, who was named first-team All-Conference, first-team All-Region, and fourth-team All-American, led the MAC Freedom in rebounds and second in scoring. So I'm going to go out on a limb right now and tell you Mark's off his, off his rocker if he doesn't think Anastasi deserved this. Um, she led the conference in almost every category, and Shalette Brown led it in one. I'm not denying that Brown isn't a good player at uh, averaging a double-double, but that doesn't mean coach of the uh, player of the year, especially for the top team. Um, before uh, Florham's game against DelVal a week ago, the Devils wore black warm-ups with Brown's number three printed on them, clearly seen on video, I may add. Um, from what I've been told, probably no surprise, 
but we did check. We don't believe they wore that jersey for any other game, and I certainly haven't seen it on any other video. Um, long story short, this investigation is being apparently run by the president's office at FDU Florham. Executive Director Ken Andrews of the MAC Conference is keeping an eye on it as well. Um, apparently, just in case they don't feel the institution did enough, uh, if they think the position of the institution is inaccurate they or inadequate, they may step in. Uh, FDU law, won its first game against Manhattanville 80-44, to then lost to Misericordia 86-67. They then went out to beat Wilkes 71-42. They've got a game against DeSales coming up. There was an incident in the championship game against DeSales where Mark refused to, apparently to shake the hands of DeSales' women's basketball coach at the conclusion of the championship because of this coaching decision, of this voting decision. Um, I was also told uh, that um, not only did this email go around, but they threatened to stay out of the All-Star game that is a MAC com conference thing that they've done the last few years and ended up doing that. That's not good conduct uh, at all, and that's what Mark Mitchell is in trouble with, and now he's in trouble because the F president is probably not too thrilled about it. We'll see what he finds and decide what happens. I can see this going one of two ways. I can see the president saying, listen, shape up. I'm going to give you a second chance. The problem with that is that Mark Mitchell's teams have always been had a, a chip on their shoulders. At the beginning, I get it. They didn't feel they were being so be it. They won a national championship, and that chip got bigger. Not sure how that happens when you're still being voted number one team in the country. I think at some point you back off. Um, but apparently they didn't. Um, and it continued. And then to wear the, to, to taunt essentially with those, the opponent, um, and have a problem with a team whose player was voted player of the year is ridiculous. It is over the line in six ways to Sunday, um, and, and beyond uncalled for, especially at the division three level, but at any division in the NCAA, it is uncalled for. How much is this Mark? How much is this the team? I think it's mostly Mark, and the team is is going along with it, though I think some of the team probably doesn't realize that they shouldn't. Um, there have been allegations of some other things that I, I am not in position to, to be able to comment on, so I won't make a comment on them, but this, is re, this has gone over the line. There has been quite a bit of conversation in the conference from what I've been told about previous uh, line crossing by uh, Mark Mitchell and his team. The question is, how much does the president find out about? And if he finds out about enough of it, or she, I actually don't know who the FDU president is, finds out enough about it. Besides, that is not the image that FDU Florham wants to portray. Mark Mitchell could very much, very easily be out of a job. Um, if the president comes back and decides it's fine, and he served his suspension, and the conference thinks more needs to take place, the conference will step in, though I kind of doubt it at this point. Uh, I think he's missed three games. And that will probably be enough if he continues to miss more. He may miss the rest of the season for all we know. The big thing is, if he is brought back and he continues, and I don't mean immediately, he may be good for a little while, but if he re re resorts back to this, and let's not kid ourselves, we've all seen it for a number of years. This is not new. If Mark returns to his behavior, I would hope the president would immediately make a decision to end his his tenure there. I don't know what will happen. We don't have a clue what the president will decide. 
I'm closest sources close enough to that decision. I do know the conference is angry, and and, and I mean, by conference I mean fellow coaches and other administrators are angry. Um, and this has been festering for a while, and finally hit a climax in this Delaware Valley game with the uniforms, the pre the uniforms. So we will see where this goes, but it has no place in Division Three. And I am very happy to hear that um, that the president felt so as well. I am disappointed by the fact that it took um, decision by another school, essentially, from what I've heard, to raise a stink to change the habits of Mark Mitchell or at least get their president involved. That does not speak well to the the department as a whole at FDU. They're letting Mark do this and get away with it. And I think that's where this crosses the line even more. And I'll be interested to see if, for some reason... Um, Mark gets in trouble as well for his behavior. Or not, Mark gets in trouble. He gets that the 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 department, the the FDU Florham department, AD, anybody else, maybe gets in trouble for letting Mark do this. That's what's going to be very fascinating um, if the president decides that get away with it. Um, and I don't have a clue where that might go, but that's where I'm going to be the most fascinated and where I'll be watching the most to see what happens next. So there's an investigation going on. We'll try and keep tabs on it. FDU is being mum. No comment on situation. I find a little bit interesting. I think they need to comment a little bit and they haven't. We will keep an eye on it. Their assistant coach is in charge in the meantime. Um, Jessica Cavaco is in charge, and we'll see where things go. Another quick note out of the Mid-Atlantic, by the way, and out of the, out of the Landmark Conference, Town coach Bob Schlosser has announced that after this season, he will step down 27 years and more than 360 wins um, at the college. He's going to retire at the end of the season from being the men's head coach and associate athletics director. End of the academic year, obviously for coaching, that will be the end of the season. And so on and so forth. Congrats. Of the program since 1990, uh, led Elizabethtown to the 93 and uh, led in the 93 NCAA tournament, which was the first time they've been there since 79. We've seen them at the Final Four. So, um, congratulations to his career. We will try and talk to him. He'll actually be at Goucher in a little while. I'll see if maybe we can do it. If not, we will find a way to get uh, Coach Slosher on the show. Congratulations to him on his run. Uh, we're going to take another break. When we come back, I talked to Duncan Robinson from Michigan. The standout from Williams is now a standout at Michigan. He tells his story and what would have kept him at Williams. Believe it or not, Williams fans are going to be disappointed in somebody. Maybe that's not surprising. But we'll talk to uh, Duncan coming up here on the show. And then after that, it is the happy hour. We'll kick it off with James Wagner, and then we'll bring in others, including Ryan Scott, uh uh, Lenny Reich will make an, an appearance, reappearance, um, probably by Skype this time, and more. And we'll answer your questions. So if you got questions for us, excuse me, as my cold kicks in, especially for our happy hour segment, make sure you uh, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. That's hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Or send them to us via Twitter, at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. We'll even talk more 
Um, some of the stuff that Kevin Vandestreek said, take a look at regional rankings that may come out on Wednesday, etc. We've still got more of this Hoopsville Marathon ahead, and it's still part of the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. Remember, there's a tweet uh, that we sent out a couple hours ago. First 10 people to take advantage of that specific link can donate to the show at a reduced price and get the same gifts, including a Hoopsville t-shirt. Going to take a break when we come back. Duncan Robinson of Michigan and formerly of Williams is on the show. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. For the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoopsville Marathon when we return. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here. College basketball experience at Sprint Center. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm three student athlete and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade from eastern to occidental from puget sound to piedmont from southwestern to the university of new england and from hope to calvin nobody covers division three basketball like we do we're d3hoops.com at www.hoops.com great moments are born from great opportunity that's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. back to Hoopsville and the Marathon, everybody. Hope you are enjoying this show. We are well into it at this point, and uh, we've talked to a lot. We'll continue. We're not done yet. Don't forget, we've got the Hoopsville Happy Hour coming up at 9 o'clock. If you don't know what the happy hour is with this marathon, you might want to stick around or come back and watch. It is uh, crazy and fun, but it's all about Division Three. If you've got questions for us, you can always send them to us via email, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We'll try and include them in update, uh, upcoming Hoopsville mailbag segments or on a future show. Also tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Join us on Facebook where this show is being simulcast, facebook.com slash Hoopsville as well. And of course, we have Instagram where we promote the show. And you can follow us there to see what we're up to at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville as well. Back in 2014, Williams basketball made an incredible run to the championship game against Whitewater and played one of the more memorable championship games. Unfortunately, Whitewater got the best of it. And after that, Williams kind of... Um, it went through some changes. Head coach transferred on to a Division I school, and one of their best players, along with the graduates, went on his way as well. That player was Duncan Robinson. He saw an opportunity at Michigan, and he took it, and he's thriving under it. And we have the distinct honor of having him join us here on the show. So via the city of Salem, Hoopsville Hotline, Duncan Robinson from Michigan joins us. Duncan, thanks for taking the time, sir. 
No, absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate it. We should mention we are pre-taping this. You have a busy schedule, as do we, and we're uh, making sure to get you on by pre-taping in case anybody wonders why the timing might seem a little odd in case one of our comments. Anyway, first and foremost, big leap going from Williams to Michigan, and in your couple years there, you've certainly made an impact. How have you settled in? Um, it's been a, uh, an interesting transition. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the two uh, institutions are, are very different um, in many ways. Uh, but, uh, to be honest with you, I really enjoyed my time at Williams. Um, you know, since I've been here, I really enjoyed my time here. Um, you know, obviously, the U.S. side out, I think, helped a lot just with the transition. But, uh, you know, so now year two, um, playing here year three as a, a part of the program and as a student here. Um, but, you know, I'm just enjoying it and just trying to make the most of the opportunity. You're listed on our graphic and on the roster as a senior year three. Do you plan on, on doing a fourth year there? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, so I'll graduate this year. Right. Um, and, and then I'll, uh, I'll uh, pursue a graduate degree here and then, uh, you know, finish on my eligibility as well. Oh, that's great. So you get one more year of getting to watch you in the maze and, and blue. And uh, maze is blue, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, Looking, looking forward to seeing you do that. Um, so far, by the way, we should point out uh, he has scored over 1,100 points in his career between Michigan and Williams. Uh, 548 in that one season at Williams is pretty spectacular, but you've certainly poured it in at Michigan. Um, out of curiosity, what has been the hardest thing to transition between the two games for you? Yeah, in, in terms of basketball, um, you know, when I was coming over uh, to here, you know, I, I always just thought that the size and speed um, and just the physicality of the game at this level, and, and there's really no way to simulate it. Uh, but like I said, that year off, I felt helped a lot, uh, just being able to practice against um, you know, guys at this level every single day. But, you know, I tell people this all the time. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a friend believer that, the, like, skill-wise, the discrepancy, you know, between, uh, you know, Division three and Division one is not as big as people might think. Uh, I just have to say, just the size, the speed, uh, the strength of this, you know, it's just a level up. Yeah, certainly uh, neat to hear from you that the skill level is about the same. Obviously, size is what we always talk about. You even kind of grew into that D1 size. I think a lot of talk, especially in that year that you had to sit, tra- anybody who's not familiar, transferring up a division or two, you must year versus coming the other direction like Sydney Moss did when she didn't have to tr- to sit you, you the the talk was not only how well you were doing in the practices that year but how much you were also growing in your body in a sense is that a a testament to what Michigan introduced you to in sen- in the sense of strength training and all that or was the story kind of from your senior year in high school where you were kind of a, a late grower as it were uh, I'd, I'd say a little bit of both. Um, you know, obviously a lot of credit, you know, to the resources we have here and specifically, you know, our, our strength and conditioning coach, John Sanderson, um, you know, in terms of, you know, player development and he's as good as it gets. <clears throat> um, so, you know, having a whole year with him here, I think really, really, uh, you know, took my, my body and ultimately my game uh, just to a higher level. Um, you know, it was, it was such a focus that year and I, I knew that coming in, you know, that was kind of, potentially, you know, could have been the thing that was going to hold me back on, you know, just speed and strength and if I really could play at this level. Um, so, you know, that was, that was really one of my focuses as well as, you know, developing my game in other areas as well. 
I know a lot of conversations that I've read about or interviews I've read about your story uh, out of Michigan or nationally or, or even out of, of Massachusetts where they've been catching up with you. They, they talk about you making the decision to maybe pursue a D1 angle. Was that a bit of a shot in the dark? Uh, Coach Maker had left. I know you asked his advice. Was that one of those where you sat back and went, well, maybe I can go D1 and let me see what it's out there? Or did you already kind of have some hints that D1 was maybe a possibility before you asked that question to Coach Maker? No, I'll start with saying this. Uh, you know, if, if Coach Maker had, had never left, then I would 100% would still be at Williams. Um, you know, I, I love playing for him, and you know, I felt a lot of loyalty to him, a guy that kind of believed in me before anyone else. Um, but kind of to get back to your question, um, I mean, it was it was it was tough. Um, I always felt that I could play at a, at a higher level. Uh, that's kind of the competitive, you know, driving me. Um, but you know, I, I also know that you know, Division Two basketball is to such a high level and you know having made it so far my freshman year and losing that national championship uh you know a part of me definitely wanted to come back and pursue that so you know leaving Williams is definitely one of the hardest decisions of my life uh it was kind of an instance where I felt like I was betting on myself and you know once the, the Michigan opportunity kind of presented itself you know I, I felt like I just couldn't turn it down you know kind of once the box had been open uh if I, if I turned it down I felt like I would have had a lot of regret moving forward and kind of that what if um chose you know not to pursue it Williams fans hearing that that you would have stayed if coach maker had stayed are probably now going to chase down coach maker and having a long <laughs> conversation about why he left um obviously coach Beelan was was the key here as well I'm curious what were those early conversations with coach Beelan like was he kind of blunt about what the life in d1 was going to be was he enthusiastic uh, was he realistic with you yeah, so he the first time I ever talked to him, um, he reached out to me, you know, before having seen any any of my tape or film or anything, or even looking at any stats. Um, he just and said, you know, I heard you're interested in the program, um, and basically that, you know, if there was something I really wanted to do, that a walk-on spot might be available. Um, you know, I, I was, you know, obviously gracious. Uh, it was gracious of him to, to offer that and um, honor, but at the same time, you know, I didn't want to leave Williams for a, a walk-on opportunity, and then about. Yeah. Um, kind of out of nowhere, you know, he called me and, you know, was excited and enthusiastic and said, you know, I, I looked at you know, all your film, I looked over your, your stats and, you know, got back from watching the NCAA tournament games. Um, and, you know, we're not talking about a, uh, a walk-on spot here. You know, we're talking about a scholarship on campus for an official visit. Um, and then from there, you know, just kind of a blur. Um, obviously, it was a really exciting process for me. Um, just, you know, a guy who had, you know, had hardly been recruited by Division One schools, you know, out of high school. All of a sudden, you know, there was a scholarship offer on the table to, to play at Michigan. So, um, absolutely, you know, learned a lot from it. And, you know, I, I felt very fortunate to be in that situation. Um, when you look at, at and when you got to that team, I should say, I, and I mean this seriously, did you get any flack because you were coming up from D3? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a little bit here and there, um, you know. Obviously, you know, from my teammates, just kind of joking around. Uh, you know, I caught a lot of that in that first year, and it kind of still do today, um, which is which is funny, you know. And it's obviously part of the process. Um, but you know, I just just kind of embraced it and have embraced the whole the whole transition um, and just tried to enjoy it. Have you uh, used the "Hey, I play the national championship game" line at all? 
I have. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't carry too much weight uh, just because of uh, the stigmas, I guess you could say, of, of Division Three. Uh, but one thing I'll give Coach, uh, Coach Milan credit to is, you know, he he consistently talks about you know how high of a level you know small basketball is. Uh, you know, considering he's he kind of came up to a coach in it, Division Three, Division Two, yeah. and small college Division One. So he's kind of always had my back in that sense. Uh, you also should mention you played against one of the powerhouses in Division Three in Whitewater, and of course Williams has been a powerhouse for a while too. We'll have to we'll help you educate them in the next year uh, that you got there. If you need help, call me. Uh, I'd be happy to. Happy to help you. Um, let's talk about the season. Uh, you guys have, you know, it's it hasn't gone perfectly, but it's a D one season. You're fourteen and eight, four and five uh, in the Big Ten. Um, you guys got a run in you here to to maybe make a, a splash at the end of the season. Yeah, it's uh, you know definitely been some ups and downs this season. Um, you know, consistency has definitely been an issue. Uh, but you know, to be honest with you, we feel like we're as good as anybody um, in the league and. You know, we've had a, a tough stretch of games here, and, you know, the next games coming up are tough as well. Uh, we've got Ohio State at home on Saturday, and then we played Michigan um, at home on Tuesday after just playing them on the road uh, just this past week. So, you know, great challenges in front of us. Um, you know, we look at there's a lot of opportunities to prove ourselves. So, you know, we're really excited for the challenges and, you know, looking forward to rising the occasion. Obviously, there's a lot of brighter lights in Division One, And looking through the schedule, you've either been on ESPN's network, Network's or the Big Ten Network, uh, almost in every single one of your games, um, what, has it been? Was it hard to transition to that kind of attention? Not really. Um, you know, I, I just tried to enjoy it. You know, to say it's it's been hard, I wouldn't say that. It's it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's it's been fun for you know myself and now this is my family. They don't have to. To watch, you know, streams. Uh, no offense, the division three streams are awesome, but um, <laughs> you know they get to watch a, a nationally broadcasted game, so it's great for them. Um, and it's, it's it's fun to, to play at this level. You know, it's still basketball. I'll say that. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, when you when you step onto the court, you know, there's so much hype that year that I set out, and you know, the, yeah. nervous about about playing in front of all those people. You know, pack stadiums. But once you step in between the lines, honestly. Um, you know, it just kind of disappears, and you're just playing basketball, so it's not much different. Anything you miss about um, the Division Three days, or the, or the more importantly, the Williams days? Yeah, um, you know, first and foremost, the people. Uh, you know, Williams obviously a really, really special place, and you know that that basketball program um, is top notch, and it's just run at a really high level. You know, from Coach Maker, and then you know today what Coach Ash doing. Um, so obviously the people first and foremost, and that's across the league too. You know, I have a lot of friends. Um, that, you know, I played against in high school. Um, you know, throughout the league, and and you know, guys you know kind of stay in touch with, and guys that I met, you know, that first year that I was there. Uh, so maybe that would be the biggest thing, but also just like in the sense of the NESCAC specifically in Division Three basketball. You know, I thought it was so cool how you know people do take a lot of pride in, in Division Three, and um, you know, it's not sort of written off where I feel like. You know, like I said earlier, there can be certain stigmas about it, but you know, I, I was I had so much fun playing there my first year, and it was an honor to play for Williams and that high of a level. Well, if you want, come back next year to Williams. You don't have to sit out. You can. You got one more year of eligibility. Oh wait, we you can't transfer in as a grad. Darn it. That's, yeah, that 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 well, that, that plan's not going to work. Uh, <laughs> though it'd be fun to see you back in Division Three. We're certainly excited to see what you've been doing at.
Again, it's fun to watch you. I'll stop a game when I know it's a Michigan game and and, and watch. It's it's enjoyable. Uh, thanks for, I, I don't want to say this cheesily, but thanks for carrying the mantle, as it were. Uh, you're doing a wonderful job, and congratulations. Uh, we got to let Duncan go because despite Division Three being all about the student-athlete, Duncan does have to. He's a student athlete at D1 as well. Um, but as uh, Duncan, as a, as a tradition on this show, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Um, well, first off, I, I just want to thank you, uh, you know, for everything you do. You know, um, like I said earlier, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, you know, the site and everything you do. Um, and then also just obviously Division Three basketball in general. You know, I still follow really closely. And, uh you know, kind of like I said also uh, earlier, is, you know, no matter what the level is, it's basketball. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to play at, at both levels, and, you know, I've learned a lot um, playing at both And, um, you know, these are memories, you know, that I had at Williams and ended up making here today at Michigan that I'll carry with me for the rest of my life. So thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I should have asked, do you think the Eves have a chance to run through the NESCAC here at the end? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they're, just, uh, they're just warming up. My dad's uh, Mike Greenman and Dan Allen about to take care of business. Senior leadership. There you go. There you go. Hey, uh, Duncan, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. Good luck the rest of your career. Uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you somewhere down the road. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. Duncan Robinson joining us on the Hoopsville City of Salem hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Uh, averaging about what is it, eight and a half points a game uh, on the season, uh, about 10-plus points in his career. He's still got one more year at Michigan, and we'll see how they do uh, this season and next with Robinson, especially shooting from the outside. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we'll talk some Northeast basketball. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. The WBCA NABC Studios. More on the Hoopsville Marathon next.